Hey, Zach here, one of the hosts of Ang in there. You know who I am. Uh, we recorded earlier today, today is Sunday, with uh, AJ Norris, rap podcasting star. We talked all about The Waterbending Master, book one, episode 18. The podcast was incredible, and y'all are going to love it. Like, it was a great time. However... I, at around the 50-minute mark, I run into some internet issues. My internet dropped to a halt, and my audio was not great. You lose a couple words here and there. It lasts for about 10 minutes, but thanks to our amazing editor, Matty, this podcast will still sound good, and worst-case scenario, there's a 10-minute stretch where my audio is not great, and for that, I apologize. However, it wasn't too bad, but I still felt like I should provide a warning. Also, there is some profanity this episode, so this is not the type of podcast you want to be playing out loud in front of your kids. All that being said, this is one of my personal favorite podcasts we've ever done, and I hope you guys enjoy All right, if you're having a disaster of a week, we'll hang in there because we are back with your favorite avatar, the last airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my amigo, Jacob Red. Jacob, how you doing? Whoa, breaking out the Spanish, Zach. Uh, I like it. I like I it. I may I'm, or may not have looked up a thesaurus of synonyms for friend before this episode for the first time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's totally fair. You know, we have so many of these. I think we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to get creative with that. But I'm doing well. I don't know how you could be having a bad week. Like Taylor Swift drops a surprise album. Disney releases every single uh, story under the sun is going to get produced into a TV show. We have a great episode of Avatar to break down. Like this week's got to be great. Honestly, I don't even care about most of the Disney announcements or Taylor Swift's uh, album this year. Spoiler alert. But what I do care about and why my week is so good is because we got a guest on this week's episode. He is the mind behind the great debate on Robin Akiva Nita podcast. One of their best episodes, in my opinion. He also was recently on the Friggin' Five this week with Rob and the First Lady of Podcasting, Nicole Cesarnino. Please welcome AJ Norris. How you doing, AJ? I'm doing so good. I'm doing muy bien. Muy bien? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm humbled to be here with greatness. I love y'all. Jacob, Zach, y'all are amazing. I already told you earlier how much I love y'all. Y'all are great. I'm happy to be here. I'm so great episode. Decent guess. Let's do this. Oh man. Uh <laughs> other way around it, if anything. True. <laughs> yeah. Decent yeah. episode. Great guess, man. Don't sell yourself short. I'm I'm not I'm super excited to have you. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Cause I always say like I've talked about this even on the patron show when you're not there, AJ. I feel like you're such a like bubbly personality and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas me, I'm like more morose just naturally. <laughs> so I feel like, I'm like that's why I want AJ in the podcast to bring some light on to it. So that's what I that's what I enjoy. So gonna be a lot of light, fun not the heat. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely uh, caliente, as they say. <laughs> <Wow>. caliente. <laughs> this is a uh, Spanish all over the place. I did not prepare. Uh, I took French in high school. No, so I took I'm... French in high school. There's no Spanish in. I in took Latin. Latin. <laughs> okay, so I guess you guys are just leaps and bounds ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> casual Spanish. Uh, 
It's Dordius Four, my guy. <laughs> <Get him off. laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, let's talk some Avatar. Like the Waterbending Master, I love this episode a lot. Even though, like, it might not even be the best season one episode, but I like it for some odd reasons that we'll get into. But AJ, how did you get into Avatar? Like, when's the first time you watched it? How do you start? Why do? How did you become such a huge fan that you are today? I was a child back in the day, mm-hmm. like. Back when I was super, super young, I was watching Avatar. It was up there for me. Avatar, Power Rangers, those were my Nickelodeon shows. And I wanted so bad to be a firebender and was so depressed when I couldn't, couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just, it went away for some reason. And then there was a resurgence this summer and I was like, let me get back into this. And I realized I never saw season one before. (laughs) I was like, like, wait, where's Toph? Where's Toph at? So that was my story. It wasn't that interesting. No, that's yeah. fair. So I have a question for you then. How did you like? How did you react to season one after having not seen it before? Because season one is great, but it is a, a little. It does pale in comparison a little bit to season two and season three. So what were your thoughts after not having season one this whole time and now watching? it? Here's my thing with television shows. It's hard for me to get into a show. I will like watch the first episode and then I'll go to sleep. And then, <laughs> and then I'll wake up. I'll be like, if I remember this episode or like want to watch it some more, I'll keep watching it. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't happen at first. Like that's not nothing to knock on the show. Like the same thing happened to me with Walking Dead. I watched the first episode, went to sleep, was like, eh, it's fine. But I give it another chance. And I was like, oh no. After a few episodes, I'm like, oh, I'm getting into the rhythm. I'm getting into the beat. Oh, these are good episodes. Oh, these are fun characters and stuff. So I, what was the question? <laughs> the uh, question was how did you react to season one after seeing because you never watched oh, season one. how did i react to it oh yeah. I, I i loved season one season one was really good i season two a superior season in my opinion but season mm-hmm. one got its highlights in there there were some great moments that i could have yeah no I, I, what do you think jacob as well season one compared to season because we're almost we're winding down season one we're almost done yeah, we are uh, close to the end here in season one. I think season one's great. Like uh, the introduction to uh, Aang, Katara, and Sokka is awesome. And I think that the sort of like jet setting around and doing a weird different thing every episode is like really fun for a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that each episode like only kind of relates to the next one. And, that, and like we get to know the characters along the way. So I think it's fun. Like season two is better for sure. But season one's uh, got lots of fun stuff to it. I will also say after season one, Sokka was not likable in my book. Like, I was like, I thought I liked this kid. And then it was like, oh, this kid is. But after season two and three, it's like, yeah, Sokka's cool again. He's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would say season one, eight out of ten. And then season two, season three, ten out of ten for me, at least. Yeah, I I, I, I say season two is like a ten out of ten. Season three is a nine out of ten. Season one is an eight out of ten. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, well, I think that we're about to get into an episode which is uh, up there for season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Waterbending Master is a great episode. Um, I really enjoyed it, even on the rewatch. Uh, you know, taking podcasting notes and paying close attention. I think this is a good episode, so I'm excited to jump into it. Yeah, I, I'll continue, AJ. It was a situation where I started to take notes, and then I just started watching the episode. I said, like, "Oh, I thought you taking notes." <laughs> No, nah, we will take all the notes. Don't worry about that. But no, I agree with you, Jacob. And for me, I actually think this episode is like a turning point in season one because two things. A, this is basically the start of the finale because they get to the North Pole. So like essentially it is a three part finale because like the plot with UA starts and all mm-hmm. that. Xiao's just about to launch his 
like fleet attack on them and which we'll get into in the next episode but what i think this is a turning point is because from here on out like every episode like we're getting the season one finale all the episodes are great and then season two we're just like we're gonna be like 3.8 out of four cabbages on like so many episodes <laughs> going forward like we're gonna have a lot of great episodes here some bangers going forward but why why i also want to highlight this is because of katara i feel like mm-hmm. we've talked about katara's growth as a waterbender we see her like learn the water whip 10 episodes ago and now she's developed she's already grown into such a powerful bender that she can go toe-to-toe with this waterbending master so i feel like this episode in particular you really see the growth of katara not just as a character but as a fighter like, man, like the, the stuff she's able to do here, she is like, I think, like what the most powerful waterbender in the series. Yeah, in a way, she's almost a waterbending master. She um, is, yeah. Yeah, like even though the episode's probably named after Paku, it seems like Katara becomes Aang's waterbending master and ultimately takes that title on. <laughs> uh, pretty cool episode from her. So uh, lots of good stuff to jump into there. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can start with just, uh, you know, an observation that doesn't really mean much, but uh, we start with a shot of a koala otter and those things are adorable. Like I would like one of those for a pet. Uh, yeah. Koala plus otter is just cute. Yeah. I love all the animals in Avatar, to be honest. I want so many pets. Like, man, you had a sky bison, like Appa, like Momo, like all yeah, those that'd guys. Be cool too. That'd be I cool. would love a Momo. Give me a moment. <laughs> That's like, will be my baby forever. No, nah, yeah. I, I, I thought the koala otter was dope too. Yeah, I think there's so many portmanteau animals that like, you never think to put together, like a platypus bear. Like, how did the yeah. writing in the writing room where they, like, okay, what could we put with the platypus? What could we put with a koala? How about like a koala otter? Like, I wonder how they came up with these. You know what I mean? I, I think that they might have taken a page out of the Renat book and spun a wheel and then been like, <laughs> okay, koala otter, that's what we got. Let's make it work. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. I think that's canon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so- yeah. So we'll continue as Asaka's like whining about Appa flying so low to the ocean. And then Aang's like, why don't you put us on your back and fly us to the North Pole? Which is true, I think. I think Sokka's whining way too much. We've seen Appa, like, there's days where he flies the whole day for like 12 hours straight. So I think so, like Sokka's in the wrong here to complain about Appa flying low. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. First off, Yes. Why are you complaining about that? Like, that makes no sense. Like, he's still flying. He's getting you to your destination. But why is Appa flying so low? Like, I've seen in in season two when Azula and the girls are chasing them and Appa's like sleep deprived. He's flying up in the sky like a mudga. And now just like flying so low. It's like, why am I flying so low? Like, it's not a reason to complain. But I'm also like, yeah, why are you flying low? Yeah, we hear from Katara that they've been flying for two days straight, so it sounds like Appa's just worn out. I mean, Appa really does put the team on his back multiple times, gets them out of danger, and ultimately, I think the reason that he's flying so low is that the frozen water is able to hit him, so I think it's more of a plot device than anything, if I had to be honest. That's, that, that's true, but I also, what I glean from it is, like, I think he expends less energy flying low. I could be wrong, but that's what, because when we see him flying low in other episodes, that's usually what they're saying. It's like, Alpha's tired. He's been flying for a long time. I like the idea that he just wants some water. He's just thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully uh, he can drink some salt water because, you know, being in the ocean, uh, drinking the water makes you dehydrated. He could but. suck on the ice, like take a big crunch. He's, he's a big boy. He can take a crunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. Yeah, I like it. I had a cousin uh, when I was a kid who would just chew on ice cubes. And I was like, how do you do that? He's like, it was like snack for him. He just like eat ice chips. Oh, mm-hmm. I love doing that. 
<laughs> no, it's terrible for my no. teeth. I can't do that. Like, it's so bad for my teeth, but I don't care. Like, like the Sonic Ice is just like oh, so crunchy. I love it. Oh, I love the Sonic Ice. Oh, that is such good ice. We don't got Sonics in Canada, so now I'm just depressed. All right, I always commercials whenever I watch any sports. I'm like, damn, I want some Sonic milkshakes that looks delicious. Yeah. If you come and visit me, we can go to a Sonic and uh, chomp on some ice, get some milkshakes. It'll be a great day. Sonic is the hangout spot that I've been hearing. Of. We went from ice to Sonic. Wow. From Avatar to ice to Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we don't get into uh, too much Sonic the Hedgehog stuff. Uh, from that Renap episode, I'm All still scarred. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. Anyway, so Papa gets hit with this wave and then like quickly free. they freeze him and he like careens to a spiral into the water. And then it's revealed that it's the one Northern Water Tribe, and they found they found them, and they realized like, okay, this is the Avatar. So they end mm-hmm. up guiding them into the village. But before we see them being guided into the North Pole, we cross cut to Zhao, and he's mounting an all-out military attack on the Northern Water Tribe. Honestly, there wasn't much to glean from this scene. Like Zhao correctly deduces that, like, oh. Ang's looking for a waterbending teacher in the North Pole, so mm-hmm. I got to go to the North Pole too. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts uh, about this scene with Shia? Yes, this is a huge step up. This is the guy who didn't realize that there was a flying bison that he could follow, and instead had to follow a ship. This is a guy with no deductive reasoning <laughs> skills. Like, who is telling Admiral Val this? Because he did not come up with this himself. He has to have some advisor who gave him this. He's not that smart. No, you're right, but I was like, this is just him having, like, a basic plan that, like, anybody would have came up with, so I didn't want to give him, like, credit for this. But you are right, this is the first time we've seen him utilize, like, normal military strategy rather than his, like, batshit insane ideas that, like, don't work at all. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Why... I, I think I could get it, but why would he think he's trying to find a water teacher first? Like, why not an earthbending teacher? Or a... Well, I, I think the idea is that it has to go in sequence. So yes. uh, the airbender then learns water, then earth, then fire. I think that's what Zhang Zhang was complaining about is that he hadn't mastered water or earth yet. Oh, I thought he's yeah. just because the fire is like, you know, so much more destructive than the mm. other three. It's like if you don't have control of the earth, three, you're definitely not going to have control of this one. But I don't see much parallels between water and earth. Me personally. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like with with when it comes to bending, it's like you have to have strong spiritual energy. So I feel like all the bending types to me kind of like me- mesh into one another because I feel like you'll see Iro utilize like techniques of of like he's done like stuff in earth bending style and water bending style, like the mm-hmm. lightning directing he learned from the water benders. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. they all kind of blend together. I like being yeah. educated. <laughs> well, uh, happy to help, I guess. Yeah, well, this is a show for you if you like being educated. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> not. Me and Jacob get into it. <laughs> I have a book full of questions. I would like you to answer all of them. <laughs> all right. Well, we can try, but I'm pretty sure halfway through we're going to start giving joke answers that aren't yeah. very helpful. <laughs> um, 100%. To, to go back to the Admiral Zhao conversation, he gives the Earth Villages no respect. He's like, oh, the Northern Water Tribe is not like one of those Earth Villages that you can just like take over easily. Uh, like they're set up well. Like that's kind of rude. Uh, they haven't taken him down Bossing Say. Have you seen those Earth Villages though? Sans Bossing Say? Like some of the, I said it last episode, I think, some of the uh, the, uh, the places Zuko and uh, Iroh visit in season two when the refugees are kind of like dumps. I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. Like, I can see how Zhao could just stroll up in those villages and just murk everybody because, yeah, they're That's not. That's fair. Kind of that like, yeah. fair, but also, 
the Southern Water Tribe Village ain't that impressive either. So no, it's not. It's not. There's like twenty people. <laughs> like I, I think there's two impressive villages, and the Northern Water Tribe happens to be one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, that's fair. Um, and, and this is again, the Fire Nation is going to go attack the water tribe on a fleet of, uh, like watercrafts, essentially. Like they're back to fighting people on their own terrain. Why don't they try to get the blimp from the last episode so they're at least attacking from the air? I'll play devil's advocate here. I feel like they haven't manufactured enough blimps yet. Because this is the only way they could travel to, and at like Zhao, he might be overdoing it with the fleet. Because I counted at the end of the episode, there's like 40 ships at the very least within this fleet. But Mm -hmm. it's also so it's like that's the only way they can get. Once they're there, they're going to be at a disadvantage anyways. Because it's a North Pole, there's water everywhere, so (laughs) they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. But you're right. Ideally, they would all come in with blimps and stuff and just like shoot fire from above. Yeah. Well, Um, but yeah. yeah, we. We can we can get back into like the cool stuff essentially because like, honestly I didn't care much for like the Zhao plot this episode like the B story I mean I guess the assassination attempt was cool but I was more interested in like the Katara versus Paku plot line I don't know about you guys yeah no I I totally agree that hard episode was Katara versus Paku yes hundred yeah. percent so next Paku. scene we get the, with the waterbenders they've been in like this huge ice gate and they're like opening the gates are parting and then the gang floats into the village and like while the water tribe is obviously based on real life cultures like the Inuit and other ad- Aboriginal peoples, the North Pole was almost like Venice. Like you had like ice, mm-hmm. bowl, you had, like ice canals and stuff. What do you guys think of these? Like this place, it was so aesthetically pleasing. Like oh my god, they weren't talking for a minute. They were just like, look at what we could draw, and it was so freaking beautiful. It was amazing to look at. I couldn't have had enough. If y'all haven't seen it, because I'm not a good like describer of things <laughs> you should go look at this place this place the northern water tribe looks immaculate yeah go check uh, it out. <laughs> again we have like a very clutch time where the wall that you're using for protection is made out of the element you can bend i think that that's like a great idea i love the musical theme as they enter the water tribe like the nice little uh like musical um like interlude in the back is really peaceful as they float through. And yeah, Zach, you are right. Like I had this in my notes as well. Like it's like Venice, but made of ice. Um, and yeah, like it's really pretty. It's like a, lots of different grids where uh, it all leads up to this giant ice palace that I think Elsa would be quaking in her boots if she saw that. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, I thought of it and I feel like this is another thing with the animators. Like they do these things that like are pretty unconventional. Like we talked about the animal portmanteau type things, but also like I would not think, okay, let's make this northern North Pole like Venice. You know what I mean? Like usually when mm-hmm. you see these types of things, like I've seen like Venice like in other shows in a way, like they place it with canals and stuff, and it just looks like real life Italy. Whereas this, they were able to like incorporate like a place like that in the North pole, which I think is like so, so interesting and out of the blue. I feel like the, I, I really like that, especially considering Venice is like, it's a place you get it, you get how it's built, but with the water tribe and avatar, what they're able to do, it makes you be able to reach into your imagination. It's like, I will never be able to visit a place like this, but it's like yeah. so amazing. I would love to. That's what I like about it. Meanwhile, these other places, like these huts and stuff, it's like, oh, you can build a hut. You can't build this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is true. true. As Team Avatar is uh, going through this magnificent uh, canal system, Sokka spots Princess Yue, and he's instantly in love. 
Uh, he sees her in those braids and he's just all there for it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think that he should fall love in first sight with Princess Yue? I'll, I'll let AJ go first because I got some thoughts on this. So AJ, what do you think? I don't believe in love at first sight. <laughs> I do not at all. I think he looked at her. He was like, I would like to bang. And that is it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that not right. love at first sight though? <laughs> <laughs> Like you could call it love. <laughs> uh, all right, Zach. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Jacob was not ready for that answer. <laughs> I was not. No, he was not. Jacob's shocked. <laughs> I could see it in his face. Um, yep. well, what I thought is like we've seen Sokka already have this little dalliance with Suki. So then my issue is like, how is Suki now the last thing on his mind? Like they had a thing, you know what I mean? Like, and he just he did like I feel like now he's like not even thinking about her, and then he's just like. Okay, it's time for UA now. I don't know. That kind of like rubbed me the wrong way, especially even on my first watch. I thought that too. I was like, damn, he's just going to forget about Suki like that. They they get more frustrating, in my opinion, the more the show goes on. Like this relationship between the two, I get more upset about it. What, UA and... um Sokka, yes. Like, oh, interesting. Why does it make you upset though? We can talk more about it later on. But Okay, okay. okay. But like, right, now, right now, it's just like, oh, a heart ice. Like, heart <laughs> ice is nothing. Like, I heart ice all the time. <laughs> AJ's just too jaded. Doesn't believe in love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is not what I expected. <laughs> I believe in love. Just, just sometimes. Uh, but Zach, yeah i i agree with what you're saying like you know suki should still be on his mind like it seems like ua has been or it's been like i don't know a few weeks and now he sees ua and he's like head over heels for her, but do you think it's because he don't know what suki looks like yet <laughs> <laughs> you think it's because uh he's just seen her in a face of makeup and he doesn't trust it i feel like i trust Sokka to be a little better than that I mean, he was attracted to her in the makeup still. And then that's so, I don't know, like he, so, he got a little kiss on the cheek, even when she was wearing the makeup and he seemed to enjoy that. If I recall, All right. maybe this it's is, because uh, it was just a kiss on the cheek and not a kiss on the lips. Cause you know, I did not think that we were going uh, here. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Oh wow. Well, you know what? Uh the next scene is on Zuko ship, and I think that's a safe one to go to. I think it's a safe scene. I think there's gonna be nothing problematic. I'm not gonna touch what AJ said with Ted Foot Cool, so don't worry about that. But well, I just want I, I did want to bring this up. It's like Oh my god. So, so, uh, Katara's like, Oh yeah, this place is beautiful. And then Sokka's like, Yeah, she is. Like, so he's not even listening to what Katara's saying. And I kind of like that, like him sliding off Oppo with like the googly eyes. Yeah, but that seems par for the course for Sokka. I think Sokka would not be listening to Katara like half the time anyway. It just so happens that this time's romantic. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's just safely land on Zuko's ship for a second. Here okay. we get a terrible song uh, sung by Uncle Iroh. This song is, uh, yeah, like there's nothing interesting about it. Uh, Iroh does not have a very good singing voice. Uh, does anyone have thoughts to redeem this song? Yes, I like the two crew members, the male crew members, dancing with one another. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing like this interpretive dance together, which <laughs> I enjoy. And I also like the fact that we've actually heard in episodes prior, we've heard like Iroh be like, "Oh, it's music night tonight," and so and so sang a stirring love song, and now we actually get to see music night on the ship. So I kind of like that they actually show us that because I initially I thought that was just a gag that they would never call back to what about you that, aj any thoughts on this scene 
this was like the last song of the bar and they're just too drunk to like <laughs> think something actually good. Like, what was this song? Like, boss, I wrote serenade me all you want. <laughs> I'm fine. But how, how did the lyrics go again? It was like winter, was spring, summer and fall. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Uh, yeah, like yeah, and then we have uh, we have like a guitar just like plucking notes in the background. Like we don't have any chord progression. We don't have any like real good harmony there. It, it's just it was not doing it for me. Would you yeah. like some harmonizing from a few drunk folks? <laughs> yes, uh, actually, if the three of us can now sing that song in three part <laughs> harmony, I will be just I, so happy. Deaf. I am the <laughs> least musically talented black person in the history of people, so I'm not going to try singing it out here. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we'll have to. Put them <laughs> I see. I see. AJ in the vocal chords, but yeah, and then so and then Xiao comes in. He swoops in. He kills the vibe. You hear like the twang, like pluck. As mm-hmm. Zhao just comes in out of the darkness. And Such then a party pooper. Yeah, he exactly. really is. Party pooper. Then we're going to run into poop head Paku later on. So <laughs> really oh, that was good, Zach. Uh, the next thing we get back to is that they have another feast thrown for Team Avatar. Team Avatar is either feast or famine. Either they have zero <laughs> food or they have an entire town throwing a feast for them. I like, yeah, don't they know to like balance out their marginal utility and eat food like uh, regular people but anyway no uh, <laughs> they have a huge feast Appa gets a giant plate of some sort of spinach or leafy green that he devours and and, he scares um, away the two water truck people that give it to him he like growls in their faces and then they like scream and sprint away yeah I like that yeah. to open the sea Yep, and and what we have is uh, we have the leader of the northern water tribe saying that the two people from the Southern Wilder Tribe, Katara and Sokka here, they brought with them the Avatar and Princess Yue turned 16, which is marrying age. So uh, Sokka must be pretty stoked for that one. I would like to say, I don't care that your daughter is turning 16. You got the Avatar here. <laughs> Avatar should have the last billing. <laughs> That's true. You know what? Yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Like, Because even, even if it is a big thing with like she's royalty or whatever in the village and she's turning 16, the Avatar should have like higher billing than that, even if that is very important. To now, if this was like a picnic where it was like, you know, the hunger games in this ish and the winner gets to marry her. Now, that's a different thing. I'll be here for that. Give her last billing because it's about her. But they're just like eating like food. So yeah. I no, I think. I think uh, if Aang had a better agent, like uh, with the movie posters, it would be like, oh, you know, two people from the northern or southern water tribe, Princess Yue's 16 and Avatar Aang with Sokka or in Katara. <laughs> like, I definitely think that they'd get the better billing if they had a better agent. But here we are. It's hard when Momo's doing his hardest, y'all. He's trying his hardest. <laughs> I was actually shocked that we didn't see Momo just scarfing down the food. That's like a gag that we see every time that Team Avatar gets a feast is Momo pigs out. And this time, Momo, uh, I guess he's watching his figure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've seen him like have a pot belly in episodes prior, so I don't think he cares. That's why he's watching his figure. He's like, damn, this pot belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Maybe he's all- also trying to get with Princess Yue. <laughs> it's like multiple people have googly eyes and it wasn't just Sokka yeah <laughs> and then so yeah they got this actually pretty heroic introduction from the chief I thought even though they didn't get top billing and then the chief is like alright now we're gonna see the waterbedding master Paku 
he's performing with his students. And this is like the first instance we see from first thing we see Paku do. Not really anything super impressive here, to be honest. Just yeah. him like them bending like a big I thought I was expecting more. I thought even like the Fire Nation magician from yes. the Jong Jong episode was way better than like his performance was better than this. Because he was doing the same thing like by himself essentially. Yeah, I had that in my notes too. Is uh, like you know the soundstage, like Battle of the Bands type thing, that everyone would be at the Fire Magician's place. No one would want to watch Master Paku have water go in a circle. Like I was so bored. <laughs> it's one of those situations where you have you can either take the beginning of the performance or the best part of the performance. And these idiots decided to take the beginning of the performance and show it to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. I was like, oh, they're warming up. They're warming up. Oh, no, we're going to look at Sokka talk to this girl. Oh, never yeah, mind. You know what? Paku's kind of a prick. So yeah, I'm glad we don't see him have like a positive, like good performance here. I'm glad it was super boring. Imagine this be like the traditional 16 year old like performance you get. Like this is all you get. You're just turning 16. If you want something real, turn 80. <laughs> yeah like uh, every person in the village gets water circles around them for their birthday but when you turn 80 you get like a whole water show like uh like ice dancing sculptures it's like a big thing yeah so uh we'll, we'll definitely track that uh for when someone turns 80 and gets their water uh water festival for themselves yeah so we're crapping on this performance but ang and guitar are enthralled by this like they love it. They like they got googly eyes for Paku right now. They're just uh, enjoying <laughs> this performance like it's the f- best thing they've ever seen. Meanwhile, Sok is enthralled by something else. He's enthralled by the Moon Princess Yue. So initially, he's like, "I like this scene because it's like funny." He's like shoving his face, and he's almost like inhaling food. And somehow, like within five seconds of like shoving his face, he's like can still speak clearly without food in his mouth and like be talk to Yue next to him. This is what I thought. Like, I could barely yeah. talk clear with nothing in my mouth. No, <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't pick up on that. That's a pretty impressive skill that he's got. He's like a speed eater, but also like a ready to talk at any moment. Listen, um, speed eating and talking with your mouth full, love him. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I don't but, know how Chris Ayue ain't all over him. <laughs> yeah, sadly, Stock is not that smooth. He's like, oh, you're a princess. I'm a prince. Where I come back from, uh, where I'm from, and like. Like, that's not even that impressive. Like, even if you are, like, best case, it's like, okay, cool. You're a prince of the worst tribe. Yeah, I want to I wanna say this. Sokka's game is horrible. Like, Sokka, like, I'm surprised UA falls for him. At least with Suki, I actually understood. Like, I think, like, the way they set that up, it made more sense. It's like Sokka initially doesn't respect her. She kicks his ass. He grows to respect her more. This, it's like, mm-hmm. Sokka's, like, just spitting the worst game ever. And it's funny because in the fortune teller, he gave Aang a lot of crap for, oh, like, no, this is how you got to talk to a woman, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And it's like, okay, this is you're advising people on how to pick up girls, and this is the stuff you say because he's like, he gives her the lies, like, yeah, I'm kind of like a prince myself, and it made me chuckle because it reminded me of Willem Dafoe and Spider Man that meme where he's like, I'm something of a scientist myself. It was like, mm, as yeah. I thought of talking, it's like, I'm something of a prince myself. But yeah, his game is horrible, and I was kind of happy like Katara like in- interjects and like instantly roasts Sokka, which I enjoyed. So yeah, his game was that horrendous here. Sock, not Sokka. Katara was such a vibe in that moment. Like, <laughs> exactly. My friends would call me a lot of great things. 
a good wingman is not one of them. I would have done exactly <laughs> what Katara did. I would just started flaming your ass if I heard that. Yeah, shit. the way that they do the animation here is really funny because at first it's just a shot of Sokka and Princess Yue, and then as Katara butts in, it like pans over and you see Katara sitting next to him and giving him a bunch of uh, crap about it. So I thought that was a good way to animate this for the joke as well. But yeah, so Katara's like, "Oh, you're you're really a prince, like prince of what?" And uh, Sokka like has no real response. <laughs> And I like how Katara is like, oh, my apologies, Prince Sokka. That was a, a good one to poke fun at him even more. Yeah, I mean, Sokka has a kind of a rough episode, honestly. This yeah. episode was like, not a good look. Yeah, but even worse than calling himself a prince, he says to Yue that he wants to do an activity. Um, let's keep this PG, AJ. Uh, what activity do you think that is the go-to date in the Northern Water Tribe? Oh man, good job, uh, good job prefacing that, Jacob, with the keep it PG. I've been I- here twenty minutes and I got this brand. That I did um, uh, look, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we were we were getting questionable before. Uh, I just want to know, like, what's the what's the go-to date? Like, what are teens doing on the weekends? Like, when they're like, uh, going oh, would you word it like that, Jacob? No. <laughs> Okay. Okay. What are they doing in the North Pole? Like, what's the ideal? Let, let me let me try again. So, people in in uh, like regular middle school will like go to the mall. They'll walk around the mall with their friends. What's the equivalent of the mall? Let's let's keep it let's keep it clean. Uh, I know that I'm not helping my case, but let's try. Uh, okay. Okay. AJ, I see you laughing there. Uh, you could take this one. Jacob is just making it worse on himself. Like straight up. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I might have to put a warning at the beginning of this episode because I cuss a couple times too, so it's like foul language. So I said NSFW content. Like I haven't even put said it. first word yet. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! Oh, some of these stuff you imply might even be worse than curse words to be honest. Okay, okay. Right. Let, 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 <laughs> no, we have no let, activity. Let, yeah, what uh, what activity we go? This through. is a PG thirteen podcast, like starting now. Yeah. Well, starting right. from 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What would you do in the North Pole? Like, there's not really any kid. Like, going to the bridge, I guess, kind of looks nice there. I don't know. Was yeah. I was thinking, like, penguin sledding, maybe, like they do in the Southern Water Tribe. Like, maybe they have, like, some, like, igloo making. Like, I really can't think of what you'd want to do in a city that's all ice. It seems pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do they have, like, a game like Airball or something you can play? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they must have something like that. They like he likes to go canoeing. I think canoeing is a good sport. Too. No, no okay. that's true. That's true. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Or you uh, could hire like just like in like the gondolas and stuff, where you have like a person manning the canoe while the two of you sit on it and like have a little date night chit chat. So yeah, that's a good PG idea, AJ. No. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to make a joke. That I was actually saying that's a good idea. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a good idea. But uh, all right, so wait, he could he could take her flying on off, but that could be hurt his thing. That's true. That's actually a good move because uh, my guess is Princess Yue has never gotten to fly in on Appa. It's kind of like a, an Aladdin Jasmine. I can show you the world type moment there. Can I sing now? <laughs> uh, sure, if you'd like, <laughs> be my guest. We love it. Uh, oh, okay. So, so we so we cut back to we cut back to Ira walking in on Zuko and the first thing Zuko says he's like I'm not playing the Sungi horn I already told you <laughs> I mean, I, w- I wonder if like there was any of these nights where Ira actually managed to convince Zuko to play the horn like what if Zuko just has some crazy horn solo that he does just doesn't <laughs> like performing in front of people 
I wouldn't put it past him. Honestly, I think Zuko's pretty good at anything that he puts his mind to. So I bet he would, uh, he would rock a Sugi horn. I think he'd be, uh, number one. And I bet that the, the people dancing would have danced with way more flair had Zuko been playing. I think the exact opposite. I think he sucks at it and he's too <laughs> okay. embarrassed to play it. That's why he's in his room alone. <laughs> okay. I like you it. Think, you think he's practicing in his room by himself? Like he's just like sulking and like playing and the he whole He heard Iroh coming. He's like, oh, I got to put this under my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think that's actually better for the headcanon that uh, Zuko's like his whole story. He's just trying to like, grind up and get better. Uh, he's trying <laughs> to make the like Fire Nation Symphony Orchestra at some point in his life. <laughs> oh, my. Yes, yeah, that, that'll, that'll redeem his honor, playing a exactly. great horn for the Fire Symphony Orchestra. So yeah, if I can't get the Avatar, at least I can play this horn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Zhao comes in. And he's like, he tells Zuko and Iroh, he's taking their whole crew. And like, Zuko's obviously in range, enraged, but Iroh holds him back. What do you, Jacob, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, well, sorry. I actually like to go back. Uh, permission oh, okay. to be off topic? <laughs> yeah, permission to rest. Sure. I mean, all we're right. already off. If I'm being honest, we're all, we're all off the rails like 20 minutes in. So, like, at this point, okay. it's just one of those episodes. So, permission okay. grant. Here's, here's my headcanon. Okay. <laughs> Zuko loved playing the horn, but now that he sees that the air uh, that the avatar is an airbender and you have to like blow air to play the horn, it's like hits too close to home and he can't do it. Like he tries and he wants to, but he just can't live out his dreams because he can't capture the avatar. Jacob, I, I love you as a co-host, but that's a very, very, very big stretch. I would say <laughs> I love I, this with all my heart. Yeah. <laughs> He like struggles to breathe because like breathing's too much like the Avatar. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like there's <laughs> air everywhere, so it's like if Zuko was this triggered by like air going through the horn, then he'd be triggered by like every single thing in his social life. He is. He is triggered I mean, by every yeah, single no, thing. That's, you know what? Okay, fine. Maybe you have a point. Maybe I'll, maybe All I'm right. crazy. He don't have Sorry. a point. But I want to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I would now like to end the permission to go off topic. I'm going to go back on now. Uh, so Zhao it wants to commandeer the crew. And uh, yeah, like this is a bit rude. Like I get that uh, Admiral Zhao like has the rank over him, but there's got to be a better way to tell Zuko, I'm going to take your crew. Yeah, but I guess. I, no, tell me. Jacob, tell me the better way. I'm putting you like, on the spot. I like I think that you could just say, like, hey Zuko, like feel free to come with me and like make him some like patronizing offer that you know he's not going to accept, but at least like offer it to him. Instead, it's like, oh, sit on the boat literally by yourself while everyone else captures the avatar. Yeah, but the thing you have to understand is like Zhao hates Zuko. They've been butting heads this whole time. Zhao is while well, he has a higher rank, he literally lost an Agnikai to this 14-year-old boy. So he harbors this resentment towards Zuko. And that's why, like, I feel like, does Zhao even need like Zuko's crew? Probably not, to be honest. It's almost like for me, it was like he was doing this out of spite in a way. Because no, yeah, Zuko's crew was kind of incompetent. What were you saying? His Andrew? crew is 100 percent the frontline people that are going to get killed. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought that too. Like they're 100%. just little like, grunts that get sent in first. I am going to murder your people. <laughs> 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 wow, uh, I guess the Fire Nation's pretty good at murdering uh, someone's people, so I mean, no, he's got experience. To AJ's point, though, like I know AJ's laughing, but I'll actually like provide some serious backup to his point because Zhao like actually does try to murder Zuko this episode. Like he harbors that much resentment to him. Like there's an actual assassination attempt later on in the episode, so that's why I think he's not like even trying to give him a patronizing offer. But he does. So what ends up happening here is like. 
and this is probably why like this like furthers his hatred for Zuko Zhao notices the broadswords on the wall as well as the blue spirit mask and Zuko should know that the blue spirit is wanted and I don't think he should have these broadswords and this mask on display this was pretty dumb on his part this is the lowest tier move I've seen like in the whole season like if you're going to use those swords, you have to like put them under your bed with your sugi horn or something. Like you can't <laughs> leave them out. Yes. Yes. 100%. Uh, I agree. AJ, what were your thoughts on this? Because Zhao immediately realizes Zuko's the blue spirit. That was so stupid. I would personally put it in the kitchen and like hide it under some boxes so that way it's hidden and no one's going to be like, oh, why is um Zuko in the kitchen? Oh, I just want an apple. <laughs> Like really sure, <laughs> he's like chopping up vegetables with this like long ass broadsword. Like ultimately, there's so many better excuses, but the excuse is like, oh no, it's just actually an antique sword. Like, no, you can look at the sword and be like, no, nah, it looks pretty sharp to me. Like, I don't think it's an antique sword. Like, it was used yeah. recently. Like, I I just feel like there's so many better places, and Zhao's able to deduce this immediately. Again, another time that Zhao's being smart. Um, but yeah. That's what I'm I got to say. Permission to speak granted. What's up, AJ? Why didn't he just tell him, yeah, I, I use this. I trained with these swords. I'm trying to become a better combatant. Like, legit, you have two swords. You're like a warrior. What else are you supposed to do? I think I think the mask was the issue, but if he just talked about the swords, it's like, yeah, I use the swords. Was the mask on display? I just want to make sure I'm remembering. Yeah, I don't actually think the mask is on display. I don't see the mask there. I didn't see it, but you said it was, so I just went with it. I don't hate the mask. I'm dumb. I say a lot of wrong things. Like, don't take everything (laughs) I say with face value. But like, but Jawa is smart enough. Mask or no mask, he's able. He sees the broadswords and realizes instantly. Like, he has this flashback of like Zuko. We get this like cream colored filter again, and like Zuko's daring breakout of Aang from the Blue Spirit episode. And then Iroh provides some backup here. He's like, I think it's just rumors. I don't even think the Blue Spirit is real. But then Zhao explains, he's like, no, the Blue Spirit is real, and he's a traitor to the Fire Nation. That's what Uncle Iroh, Uncle Iroh has to know that it was Zuko, right? Like, they've yeah. talked about this before, or, like, even if they haven't talked about it, like, Uncle Iroh can tell. No, Iroh knows. He's providing, like, yes. the, like uh, alibi yeah. for Zuko, okay. essentially. Uh, that, that's what I thought as well. I just wanted to make sure. Because, like, if not, then Uncle Iroh being like, oh, no, I think it's a myth. The person that literally you saw was, like, a terrible excuse. So I, I was such an interesting character because sometimes he'll be like, we'll see him just like goofy perv uncle. And then other times, like this episode in particular is actually a really good Iroh episode because he's like very intelligent this whole episode. I feel mm-hmm. like especially everything he does, his plan later on with Zuko on Zhao's ship made perfect sense. So a very good episode from Iroh here. What did you th- what do you think of Iroh this episode, AJ? I would just like to say, and this is going to be a period. Uh, Iroh is my favorite character. And besides the, you know, perversions, uh, everything about him is amazing. I love his humor and I love that he's smarter than the average bear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. episode in particular, like he can use some vocal lessons if I'm being honest. <laughs> But, you know, he he's missing the cook. And if I was on the ship, the cook will also be my best friend. Um, and I think I, I like this from Iroh because it plays into this. Oh, he's an old man that don't know much. He don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. I think that helps lead to his later 
plot later on help it contribute to it. And I think to his persona overall, as you see in future seasons, that he's like, oh, this senile stupid person. So I like this from Iroh personally. Yeah, and he walks that fine line. Like sometimes I'm surprised because like you'll see them call him like, oh, he's like the fat, lazy uncle, like a lot of other Fire Nation people refer to. Refer to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's relatable for me too. That's why they call me Uncle Zach. But no, so it's like you, you see that you see him referred to as such, like that, like you see him referred to that numerous times. But then he also will be able to display such like these plans like this. And even Zhao commands, he commands respect from Zhao because Zhao doesn't want Zuko coming along, but he wants Iroh as part of his crew because he knows how powerful Iroh is. Yeah, I think Iroh does a great job of managing his persona because he does have this like, you know, obviously he's wise, but he has this sort of like aloof, like he's not really, he doesn't seem power hungry. He doesn't seem like he understands all the dynamics. And I think that's really um, like disarming for Zhao. And that gets him in a really good spot at the end of the episode. So, I, yeah, I was impressed by Uncle Iroh here, uh, even though it's just like a small little scene we see. Now, best question. What is his karaoke song? It's <laughs> a good question. It's probably like I'd say like Frank Sinatra "My Way," but in his like grovelly. It's one hundred percent my way. <laughs> yes. Now, the end is near, and so I face my final curtain. Like that's why I think he'll be good. Yeah, that. I like it. I was gonna say uh, it could be September from uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. He's just missing the air. The Nomads were like extinct, so they're not missing the air. Wait, Earth That's Wind true. Fire. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I guess Earth Wind and Fire was named after the Hundred Year War. Uh, no air. No, no air left. No air. I love this. Well, <laughs> the next thing we see in the morning is uh, back at the Northern Water Tribe. We see Katara is really excited uh, to have teaching from a real water master that is going to uh, quickly go away as Paku is just uh, a trash human. Uh, Yeah. He says that he is not going to teach a woman uh, because it's forbidden in the tribe. Uh, He doesn't really actually give much more of an explanation except that it's like outside the customs, but he essentially refuses to let Katara uh, join in, in the training with Aang. Um, any takes here? Like, obviously, this is uh, like trash behavior. Oh, yeah, I have some takes, but I'll let AJ take it first. What do you think? You can go first, Zach. You can go first this time. I'll go okay, second. Because okay. what I say is like, yeah, Paku refusing to Paku refusing to teach Katara makes no sense to me because in the Deserter, Zhang Zhang explains he's like, if you're if you have healing powers with your water bending, then that means you're an extremely powerful bender. So to me, it makes no sense. Like if. If a woman is a very powerful bender, why waste her talents on healing? You know what I mean? Why not use her for both cure her for both combat and healing? You know what I mean? That's why I thought this made no sense from like an actual like military standpoint in a way. Like you should be training the most powerful benders regardless of sex, because otherwise you're not going to succeed. And maybe that's why the Fire Nation succeeds, because they have Azula at the helm and she's a ruthless young little female. So 
Honestly, you make a great point there. Like I get like, uh, you know, if they have these traditions or whatever, like they're, they're terrible traditions, but during wartime, like you gotta, you gotta cut out the bad traditions and just like do whatever it takes to win the war. You've been yeah, at war for a hundred years and you're not going to train people to fight. Come yeah, on. That, that, that's my issue with it. More so like the sexism is obviously terrible too. Like you should be training women regardless, but in a war, it's just like what happened in world war two. You saw like when the men went to war, the women started working in these like industrial industries that they weren't working in prior like factories warehouses stuff like that so that was my issue with this it's like why are you wasting Qatar? like you can obviously tell Qatar is a powerful bender and mm-hmm. you're wasting her talents and only healing and that's it when she can do both you can heal you can heal and learn combat which Katara will do as the series progresses so what did you think about this AJ? I have multiple points um point number one isn't he part of the white lotus yes white locust yes I think yeah. a big thing about the people at least the ones that we've met they are people that know their tradition of their like tribe or nation or bending and stuff and say, bump it. We're going to do it a different, unique way. You see that with, um, Iroh, you see that with, um, homeboy who gives boomy. Yes. Like, I think these are people that are not a very steadfast and hard tradition people. So I find that strange that he is like that. Now I get it. We don't know he's part of the white Lotus yet, but Still, for the group that he's a part of, this is very out of character for them, even if it's like low key in character for the tribe. So I don't get that too. Um, I, I don't know why he didn't know Qatar existed. Like, I feel like when you're like, and being like, oh, yeah, my friend is also going to come in, you're going to be like, oh, who's your friend? Or like, oh, let me meet your friend too. Like, you're not just going to teach like this stranger, Katara, who's just going to walk up in here just assuming, like, oh, my friend got it all figured out. Like, that's not how stuff works. Um, number three. I, I, I felt like he was so sexist. He assumed Sokka was the friend. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. oh, I'm a train. Oh, Sokka. That, that, that was what I got from that. That guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Sokka. Um, number two, three? Two, three. Three. Number, number, number three. Um, do y'all hear my dog? Yeah, uh, <laughs> a nice little uh, feature from the dog. We don't mind it. Yeah, he had some takes. He said that the, the dog was like, oh yeah, Paco is not sexist. We're all just haters. That's what I, I heard him say. I'll translate the dog's <laughs> Dog's canceled. I'm out of the dog. Oh yeah, I get to continue your point, AJ. I agree. My dog is canceled. Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember my points, but yeah, this is this was very sexist. This was not okay from him or his tribe or tradition. And I feel this is a very what's the word? An old tradition. And yeah. I feel at this point, especially because I think the way it's portrayed, right? Especially with UA, it's like women are being more valued and more culture, like in their tribe as a whole. Like I feel like she would have took a leadership role because he is like um, the chief's only child, right? Or am I wrong I th- about this? I think, I think she is. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So unless they were just going to keep her on the sideline, she is going to be a leader in the near future, sooner than she realizes. Um, but if you're going to have a soon a few fem- a female leader, you should be more open to like teaching these women um all these more combat um focused things. And listen, if you're a waterbender, you should be able to decide. Hey, I want to heal. Or do I want to fight? And you should be able to decide both if you that's what you want to. Now, it seems like the classes happen at the same time, but 
you, you can take a Met class. <laughs> Honestly, like, uh, you know, AJ, I know we're both Saints fan. Like, Taysom Hill, like, you know, you can go to both meetings. Like, you can go to the quarterback <laughs> meeting and the wide receiver meeting. Like, you, you can do both. Uh, yeah, but I, I think your first point about the White Lotus is great. Uh, like, the White Lotus group is there to protect people. It's there for balance. It's there to bring harmony to the world. It transcends whatever rules the tribe has. And it doesn't really make sense that uh, Paku is so defined by, like, these tribe rules when he's part of the la- larger organization. So I think that you have a great point with the White Lotus. I made yeah. a good point, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and being a member of the White Lotus... It's like he's the worst member by far. Like he's my least favorite by far. <laughs> John, John, and like all of them are like tied for number two. I was number one, or like maybe Boomy's up there too. But then, yeah, his his number is he's last and he's not close. Yeah, no, that that's true. Well, so but yeah, and, we see that, and, uh, and also Kataro's necklace, not Kataro, Katara. Her necklace is visible, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it is. Look at her neck, boy. Look, look at her neck. It's like right there, like right. Yeah, right you're right. If, if uh, you go to notice later, I'm surprised he doesn't notice right away. And also, if she's a spinning image of Kana, wouldn't he recognize her too? I wanted to get into that later, but uh, a couple of weird things with that. Taka, you got a lot of issues. You got to get your ish together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, ultimately. Uh, ultimately, I think that Aang is a pretty decent ally here. He says if Katara is not able to learn, then he doesn't want to learn from Paku either. And I think that this is like a pretty good move uh, from Aang. Like he's saying, like if uh, if no one, uh, if everyone's not allowed to learn, then like I don't want to be a part of it either. But sadly, like allyship is not as important as literally saving the entire world. And Katara tells him that he needs to learn anyway. And this was very mature on Katara's part, I thought. Like, oh, like Katara of these of the three people currently in Team Avatar, she's all she always displays the most maturity throughout season one, and especially here, she swallows her pride and was like, you know what, Ang, you can still take lessons from the sexist pig. Don't mm-hmm. worry about me, which is nice because Ang actually would, would have stood up for Katara and not taken these lessons. So they did a good job with like the relationship between Ang and Katara here. I really enjoyed how they had each other's backs. So here's yeah. the thing. I like the idea in practice of, oh, I'm standing up for my friend. If take both of us or take none of us. Um, I feel like Paka didn't want to talk, teach him in the first place. I think because the chief said this is the avatar you're going to teach me. He's like, okay. But also Katara's being emotional at that point, rightfully so. Like there is no reason she should not be um, able to learn there. However, there's a difference between being emotional and irra- irrational. Aang was being irrational at this moment, which he will be multiple times in the series where he's like, you know what? Bump this avatar thing. I know I'm supposed to save the world, but my, I'm going to make my emotions get in the way of that. No, to, to AJ's point, he is correct. It's like, it, it, like Aang is kind of irrational a lot of the time, and he does not take well to conventional teaching. And I think we talked about this in the Deserter episode with um with Zhang Zhang. It's like Aang doesn't take kindly to like these old strict teachers. He likes mm-hmm. like you gotta be a little loose with the teaching when Aang, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of why like Kitaro will end up being Aang's waterbending teacher, just like Toph will end up being his earthbending teacher, and in season three, Zuko will end up being his firebending teacher. And what those three people have in common is like they're all close to Aang's age. And while Toph, Toph and like Zuko are a little more serious than Aang, it's like they still are able to like relate to the goofy childlike nature of Aang in a way. So I feel like Aang doesn't take well to these old like stickler teachers like Paku. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it comes from like Monkey Azzo is also like uh, a bit silly. He was the one throwing pies in people's faces for fun. And I think that Aang's always had a history of the people who are a bit sillier doing the, uh, yeah, doing like any sort of teaching. And uh, I think that the teaching never is primary for Aang. I think he cares more about the people than his mission at, at most points in his uh, journey. And I also think with that point being, it's not just that they're young. I feel like they are more malleable to Aang and how his particular teaching style, whereas mm-hmm. everyone else he tried to get teachers from, it's like, no, I've been doing this for a minute. I know what I'm doing. He's like, listen, your way of teaching, which is true. Everyone's way of teaching don't work with everybody. So I get that from him. I don't like that aspect of Aang's personality, but I understand it, which is why even with Toph, he like had friction at first with Toph because yeah. she's like, this is my way or the highway. But Katara's more like, listen, there's a different way Aang learns. So we have to like be able to been to that so you're right yeah. that's not a good quality of ang but for me and this is one of the reasons why i love avatar i think i like imperfect protagonists like i don't want the protagonist to be like making all the right decisions being the most powerful right away i think that's the issue i have with a lot of anime where the protagonist just ends up becoming like too powerful and like too good whereas ang is always like grounded in this like instability he's like he's a child but he's got all this pressure on his shoulders so i like the fact that ang is not like a perfect uh protag here I agree, well, which is why um his situation, even though I don't like that from a sense of, oh, you're the avatar, you need to get this together as a person and as a character, I like seeing that from him. Like yes. it's not perfect, it's humanizing. But also at the same time, there are people trying to murder you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking about someone who's uh, pretty imperfect at their craft, we see Sokka next uh, trying to talk to Princess Yue. Yue is in the canal. She's rowing along. Sokka's trying to, uh, you know, hit on her a bit. Uh, Again, it comes up that they should do some activities. And then uh, as soon as Yue says that they'll meet on the bridge tonight, uh, Sokka falls into the water, not realizing that the canal is right there. Uh, pretty big blunder from Sokka here. Not looking very smooth. That I mean, was so charming. <laughs> that was so freaking charming. It was like, oh, look at him. He just like fell in like head over heels for me. That's so cute and charming. I don't know. I'm not a girl. I don't know if she found that like endearing, but I, as a person who's rooting for Sokka, yeah. found that endearing. Scratch that. Rooting for Sokka in this moment. Found that endearing. <laughs> <laughs> It was not the most like passionate uh, plea, I guess, to talk of doing an activity. But you know what? You was into it. She likes it. So what's good this, for soccer. Was this the activity he was thinking of? Like she rolling me talking? <laughs> um, probably I so. not. I hope. So. Uh, I, okay, hope yeah. I hope this was the activity they were thinking of. I yeah, hope he was not thinking of any other activities. We can all. leave that there. So yes. the next thing we see uh, is we get back to the Fire Nation and uh, Admiral Zhao is talking to a bunch of the pirates that we saw from earlier in the season. He's giving them a ton of gold and uh, the the mission essentially is a hit on Prince Zuko. That's all we see here. Just a little short scene, but we see the pirates come back. I was excited to see the pirates come back. Uh, it was fun to see these characters again. Uh, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. I like these like goofy cartoon villain Saturday morning pirates. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I just I, I like them in that episode. I thought they were a very fun one episode antagonist. And I like them coming back because I remember like 90 percent of this episode. I just forgot about the pirates and the assassination attempt, actually. So I was like, oh, this was a pleasant surprise for me. Jacob, did you or uh, AJ, did you remember these guys? The pirates? I did because I found their fight seemed to be one of the funniest. And so 
of course I'm gonna remember them. I take issue with this plan from Zhao because he is sending these pirates to assassinate Zuko. Comma, but Iroh is still there. What would he do um, if Iroh chose not to take control the night they decided to bomb the um, what's that thing called ship? Like that would have been over for the pirates, and I think Zhao should have saw that coming. But that's just he should have known his plan was flawed. I feel like Uncle Iroh goes on enough walks uh, that there's got to be a window when Uncle Iroh's off the ship. That's my guess. That's lucky. Well, he's really lucky Zuko's being a stubborn fuddy-duddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah. Then Now we go back to the Northern Water Tribe again. Uh, we see Katara going to the healing hut. And uh, yeah, it looks like instead of a, a real healing lesson that she's going to be hanging out with a bunch of six-year-olds. Uh, looks like the healing class is not that advanced. <laughs> the disrespect, the utter disrespect that he has sending her to a bunch of six-year-olds. Like, I get Katara, she has had no healing lessons, so anything will be helpful. But if I walked in, if my grown ass, I'm saying I'm grown, I'm not, I'm basically a child. But if my grown ass <laughs> walked into like a kindergarten classroom, you said, you're going to learn in here, I'm going to be like, who do you think you are? Who do I look that stupid to you? Like, get your ish together. Get me a real teacher. Or be like, hey, ma'am, I would like to talk to you for a second on this side and be yeah. like, hey, this is cute, but I want a real lesson. But not be that rude about it. <laughs> yeah, it's got Billy Madison vibes. Zach, what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Katara's not like she's nice to you, Goda, and stuff. But yeah, this is kind of like. A pretty bad punishment from Paco. And like, it sucks for Katara. You know what I mean? She is, her talents are being wasted on healing with these like six year old children. So I agree with you completely, Jacob. To your point about Kana and this big reveal, it's like, how is it, like AJ was saying earlier, how is Kana able to notice this necklace, but uh, Paco couldn't? Because if Kana can, Paco can. You know what I mean? That didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, it it is a bit weird. Uh, so I think like Yagoda gets near to her and she sees that like the necklace uh, is something familiar. Like it, maybe what uh, Paku saw was that it was like a generic necklace and like he didn't realize it was like his own. But I feel like it's kind of like one of those things where like you would always recognize your own uh, like craft work or handiwork or something. So I agree. I think it's a bit weird, but it is uh, like a pretty big deal that we find out that Katara, uh, her grand grand did come from the Northern Water Tribe. And not only that, left to escape an arranged marriage. Like, yeah, damn, that's he- that's heavy stuff. I feel like <laughs> we don't really talk about like marriage and like stuff like that in the scope of Avatar too often. So this was a sh- this was surprising to me, especially on a first watch. What did you think of this, AJ? I understand why Paku is a poopy head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, he just had this is a real love, y'all. Like an arranged marriage with a woman you don't really know. This is true love. <laughs> there you go all right I, yeah, uh, and I feel like this is common with arranged marriages like yeah. usually one person is a lot more happier than the other usually it's the man in the involved in the arranged marriage while the mm-hmm. woman just has to put up with like this smelly man and in this case poop head paku so yeah and, and plus we've seen how sexist and like dumb paku is i can see why grand grand ran away to the southern water tribe does he gotta want to marry this like chauvinist pig do you think he was always um well, I'm pretty sure he was always a chauvinist pig. But do you think he was always a fuddy duddy chauvinist pig, or was he like a more happy 
chauvinist pig. I mean, he probably was more fuddy-duddy. I mean, maybe he thought he was happy and was, like, nice to people, but he must have been fuddy-duddy because she traveled to the other side of the world to get away from him. (laughs) Yeah. I would be so mad if I found out that's where she went. She said, I don't want to be with you. I would rather be on the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was no sky bison or nothing. She went to the other side of the world by ship. So she's probably making like a year, like a year, two year travel to the South Pole and just to get away from Paku. So, yeah, 100 percent. She like, just, yeah, it's not like she ever. just went to the went to like bossing say or something. She went to the entire opposite side of the globe like she had to get out of there. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so after uh, after this is revealed to Katara, Katara asks Yagoda why Grand Grand le- left. And uh, Yagoda says that she doesn't really know uh, and that she left essentially without saying bye. Uh, the next thing we see is we jump back to the ship um, and we see that the crew's heading off. Uh, and so the crew tells Uncle Iroh to wish safe travels to Zuko. Zuko's just going to brood in his room. I think he's sad about being left. I think that he feels... Um, a bit disappointed. And then we see Uncle Iroh uh, leave and we see the pirates start lifting the blasting jelly up on the ship. Yeah, the pirates are not smooth here. They quickly alert Zuko to their presence. They make a lot of noise. <laughs> These are some like goofy assassins, honestly. They don't do a great... I mean, at the end of the day, they do take Zuko by surprise still nonetheless. But yeah, I don't. I didn't think this was a great plan. And I feel like, do they not have better explosives than just blasting jelly? Because if you're trying to do a covert assassination of somebody, then lifting blasting jelly, like these big barrels, like that, will automatically alert any any like person worth their salt. You know what I mean? So I found that kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah, they're also like stomping around, making a big noise about it. Like it seems like they could have been better. Like maybe instead of the uh, the pirates that. Admiral Zhao should have hired the Yu Yan archers. It could have been like tracked back to him easier, but at least the Yu Yan archers are silent and deadly. What do you think, AJ? Um, I'm not a stealthy person. I am very clumsy. I like <laughs> knack on everything. So listen, if it was me, Zuko would have known the moment I stepped on the ship because I would have <laughs> fell. Um, you know, the no same, but I'd hire somebody less clumsy than myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. That's why you like have money. I, I don't have money to oh, no, 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 me, 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 me. I, I was talking from like Zhao's point of view. Like if sure. I was Zhao and I had like unlimited Fire Nation income, essentially. I think if yeah. you have unlimited Fire Nation income, I get why you want pirates because that could be the fall guy as we see later on. But you could do some better. I can find some better people that could kill your nephew real quick. Yeah, like where's Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man right about now? Like that Ooh. man would have blown up the ship in Sparky a second Sparky and Boom and no one would have seen the trace. It, even worse is so Zuko starts to hear something. He moves around. Um, he goes to like the top of the ship. And right as the explosion is about to go off, we see the parrot from the pirates uh, that are just standing there. And it seems really odd that the parrot's going to like sauce on these people. Uh, it seems like not the move to have the parrot like come with it. Um, so it seems like, uh, it seems like, yeah, the parrot should not be coming on this journey. Like if you're trying to do something stealthy, like you don't need to bring the bird along. Yeah. This rare exotic bird that can easily be associated with you. No, hundred percent. I don't know why exactly. they brought this parrot along with them. Yeah. And then here's the weirdest thing is after the explosion, we see it from six different angles. Like we see the explosion from like many different shots. Like it was in a movie. I thought that was weird. Uh, very few times. Do you see something animated from a bunch of different angles? What were you going to say, AJ? 
Uh, the bird was there to rub salt in the wound. They wanted Zuko to know, yo, we murdered you. Oh. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> so they're just trying to sauce on him. I like it. 100. So, so did you guys think like it made sense for Zuko? I mean, obviously Zuko will survive this. We know that. But like, would this have killed him? Like, should this have killed him in a way? Like a blast is powerful? Because we talked about in the episode prior how they drop a big bomb on the Northern Air Temple and somehow the Northern Air, Air Temple structural integrity is still fine. So it's like they explode this ship and Zuko's blasted out of a window with like glass breaking and shrapnel everywhere. I'm surprised he didn't come through the, with the, come out of this with even more injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah, we see the entire ship is engulfed in flames and it looks like the, the like the explosion like blasts him out. Uh, like he's presumed dead after this because yeah, like he is blasted out of there. I, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to try to kill a firebender, sure, that a fire. fire blast is probably not the best way to do it. Like because it does seem like he has a ball around him, which sort of protects him, maybe. Like, that's what it looks like as the explosion's going off. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like uh, I feel like it's plausible that he's able to get out with only, like, a few black eyes. I, I think you're right. It's hard because, first off, these pirates are stupid. Uh, fire to kill a firebender that is dumb on every level. But they can't do hand-to-hand combat with the man because we saw what happened last time. It didn't go great for them. Sure, this mm-hmm. time Zuko's by himself, and no, they're not also have a third party involved, but I feel like these are not good people, and when I say not good people, I don't mean like, oh, they're terrible people. I don't know their personal life. They could be nice. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> we try not to cuss on this show, but I, you know, I already said I'll give a, di- I gotta give a disclaimer for my crappy internet anyway, so it's fine. It's fine. Speak free. Speak your mind. Speak your peace. It's okay. I'm sorry, children. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, they don't seem like the most skilled people to go off against someone, especially someone that's the blue spirit. Uh, so that would have been a failure on both ends. So hire the boom, boom man, hire some earthbenders. I don't care. This was not a good choice. The, the thing. Yeah. I agree with both of you guys, because the thing is Zuko notices the parrot and that's like, he's like almost able to brace himself for the blast. Cause he like, mm-hmm. he knows it's coming as soon as he sees the parrot out the window. And then I feel like Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man, I didn't even think of this. He could explode the ship without boarding it. He could just yeah. be far away. He could be like on a hill, like of a kilometer away and like shoot a blast. And even the Yuyan archers, I think, would have also been a better choice. But uh yeah, instead we get these pirates and they're blasting Vaseline. And yeah, Zuko not great. We see Iroh off in the distance. He sees the ship explode. Of course, he looks horrified. He's like, like uh, Jacob was saying, Zuko's presumed dead. And then we get this really weird transition, mood-wise especially, because we cut to Sokka and Yue on the bridge. So it's like, you have this uh, you have this scene where you presume Zuko's dead, and then now you have like Sokka and Yue's date night. <laughs> I thought it was like, kind of a weird like move to go to the, that scene out of all of them. Yeah, and even still, it's like a weird mood that Yue's in. So Sokka comes and gives her this really ugly carving. Uh, it looks ugly. Uh, Yue thinks it's a bear. Sokka says it's a fish. But we ultimately see that like Yue's like, I made a mistake. I need to leave. And like, it really just doesn't make a ton of sense. Like this scene was so short. It felt out of place. It was really odd. Uh, and the next thing we see is, well, I guess first uh, Sokka throws the ship into water. But then Sokka rejoins Team Avatar. Wait, I, I got something. I want to say something. Oh, yeah. Go, go I, ahead. I have, a note. I have a note. Note number one. The carving looked like Wobbuffet. 
<laughs> All right. I was expecting a kind of more serious note, but yeah, I agree with that. I, I want to talk about the carving a little bit because it's like, it was obviously hideous, horrible carving. But if if you was like, oh, it's a bear. Like if she can see a bear, you got to go with that. You got to be like, oh yeah, yeah, it was a bear. That's hard <laughs> yeah. for you. That's what you got to do. You don't be like, no, it's a fish. Cause then you're like basically telling her your carving skills are awful. So. That was my one note about this scene. But the, well, did you have anything else you want to say about this, Adrian? No, just Wobba Fett. I <laughs> <laughs> like when you said note one, and I was like, oh, I thought there was like more notes, like other Pokemon yeah. you saw in the distance. Yeah. Alyssa, yeah, no, I, think Zach, I, I think you make a good point about being smooth here. Like, uh, you can be like, oh, yeah, it is a bear. I made this yeah, bear. I could have uh, that. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, ultimately he's not very smooth. So the next thing we see is, uh, he rejoins the rest of the group. Uh, they're all a little bit upset for different reasons. Um, Katara is asking how his training went. He just decides to get angry and, uh, lay down. And they seem to like go back and forth. Uh, essentially the, uh, Sokka tells the rest of the group that princess UA is not interested in him. Aang says that master Poophead uh, won't teach Katara because she's a girl. <laughs> And Sokka comes up with a pretty good idea here. Uh, but more importantly, Aang has the worst insult of all time. I like it. I've, I've been saying poophead earlier. I don't know why. It's so juvenile and dumb. But, like, that's my type of humor sometimes. Like, I I don't need the intellectual highbrow humor. Just hearing the word poop and head makes me laugh. Like, <laughs> poophead Paco. Like, I don't know why. It's just, it's just so right. funny. Like, I, I chuckled. Like, that to me is, like, what's the, what was that joke you really enjoyed? Uh, oh, Aunt Who. That's, like, Aunt this, who? this no, my, Aunt like, Aunt Who. Yeah, this is like my Aunt Wu and Who moment because this was so stupid. And I admit, I admit, it's not the best joke, but for some reason, it just got me. It just made me laugh. I love That's stupid fair. jokes. Stupid jokes are my favorite types of jokes. <laughs> it's not even a joke. It's just a stupid insult, to be honest. There's no punchline. It's just like, yeah, yeah. master poophead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that that's... Uh, uh, yeah, I think now that I think about it in the context of Aunt Who, no Aunt Wu, then uh, I like it a bit more. I think yeah. uh, that's still my favorite joke from this season. Yeah, but to talk about the actual plot ramifications, yeah, Sokka does come up with a pretty good plan here of like... And he says it kind of like pass, in, in passing. He's like, oh yeah, why doesn't Aang just teach you the moves he learns from Paku at night and Katara like is elated. She's like, Oh, this is a great idea. And honestly, it, it, it is pretty smart. I, I, yeah. I, I think it was a fine idea because when he first dismissed her, that's what I thought. And I'm not a smart person, but I was like, just teach Katara yourself. Ang. That's but, true. And it's like, it's surprising that Paku just strolls up on them. Like, how does he know? It's like, he sensed that they were going to be teaching. Like, is there a reason for that? Well, see, this is what I was thinking is like, sure, it's a great idea to teach her, but you need to go to like the remote part of town where no one else is. <laughs> like, it seems like they went to a place that like has a bridge that's overlooking where like you could see and it's like quite obvious. I think if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. You need to go into the very far corner and do it there. Uh, because as we see in a, in a second is uh, Aang starts teaching Katara. And after the very first move, Paku's standing there and is like uh, essentially just being like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, he's like, he gives like this homeless remark of like, hey, you disrespected my tribe, my customs, my culture and all that stuff. And I'm like, for me, it's like, I don't understand how training, again, a female, that this can be a aid to the war. I don't understand how like training Katara is such an affront to your culture. That's what I didn't understand it. Because like, I feel like with all these White Lotus characters, like, that we've seen, they're all goofy and stuff, but they're the stuff they say is like rooted in like logic and like it makes sense. Like Boomy, you see, he's goofy, but he's got like good reasoning. Zhang Zhang, he's not the most funny guy, but and he's got these weird metaphors, but they're rooted in sense. Like everything Zhang Zhang said was correct. Whereas 
Paco here, I don't understand his reasoning for not wanting to straight Katara. Like, especially, again, in wartime. Like, you got all hands on deck. You know what I mean? Man, woman should not matter. Yeah, uh, you make a great point. Yeah. Um, so then they, they meet up with the chief, and he tells Katara, he's like, if you apologize to Paku, he'll accept Aang back as a student. And honestly, it looks like Katara's about to swallow her pride and apologize. Mm-hmm. But then Paku has to add in, just like the warden we saw in the imprisoned episode with the prisoners who didn't want Paku has to add in this little snide remark. He's like, I'm waiting, little girl. Like, of course, Katara's going like, to not set anybody off. You know what I mean? He wants to have his cake and eat it, too. Call yeah. me little boy. I bet. Bet. Come at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I do not like this. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be throwing hands, too, if I was Katara. What do you guys think of this? Like, listen, you are getting your apology. Take your little mini stupid reward and go home. Like, stop rubbing salt in the wounds. Like, there are some people you don't push. Katara is one of them. And I'm I'm here for it. I'm like, at this point. I don't even think Katara wants to learn from this man. Like she's just so disgusted with him as a person. So at this point, it's just like more of a respect factor. Factor. Yeah, I, I agree. And Katara clearly gets angry. She starts getting so mad that she's actually cracking the ice and breaking pots. Uh, it gotta not be like great to have in your home. Like imagine inviting someone to your private quarters and they just start smashing stuff out of their anger. That's that's gotta be rough. Yeah, that's like the Link special from Legend of Zelda. Just yeah, these village huts like breaking all their vases. Exactly, exactly. Well, Katara here challenges Paku to a fight. And is like, uh, let, like, let's, uh, settle this. And Aang's like, oh, I don't think she meant that. And Sokka's like, no, I think she did. <laughs> uh, Sokka knows Katara pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that Katara's challenged Sokka to a fight or two in, in her day as well. Um, yeah, and yeah. then so we we cut back to Zhao and Iroh here, and I kind of want to yada yada this because this is the last scene before we get to the heavyweight bout between Katara and Paku. But basically, this scene is like Zhao's talking to Iroh, and Zhao's feigning sadness about Zuko's apparent death after the attack. And Iroh's very sly; he's like these pirates. We had a run in with them before. They're the ones who did this. And you can see Zhao smile because he's like, oh, the, he, Iroh wasn't able to trace it back to me, blah, blah, blah. And then Iroh accepts Zhao's offer to join his fleet. And not much to yeah. glean from here. Like, I don't know what else to talk about. If you guys have any points you want, any funny jokes, you see any Pokemon in the background, AJ, you see Wobbuffet floating around? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't see much. Uh, okay, I am okay. I am glad that Daniel wrote in a few weeks ago to let us know that Admiral's like the highest rank because I did think that General Ira would be higher than Admiral, but I think I got it. I think my head cannon's right that Admiral's higher. So no, that's, no, that's so thanks nice for Daniel because he cleared that up for us. Yeah, because I was kind of confused as well. Um, but yeah, so now we get to the main event. Uh, so it seems like Katara is really upset. She's c- going down the stairs. Uh, essentially, she knows she's not going to win this fight. She's not doing it for Aang. She needs to stand up for herself and show Paku that, sh- that he's wrong. Now, Paku does something that's really rude. Uh, like, yes, he's about to say something mean, but he goes down the steps to her where he could have gone a different path. Like, he knows that he's antagonizing her, and he walks down that path in front of Katara when there are, like, other staircases to the left and right. 
Yeah, and what I liked about this, before the fight starts, Katar, uh, Aang is like, oh, you don't have to do this for me, Katar. And then Katar's like, I'm not doing this for you. This needs a lesson taught. Like, you know what I mean? She's like, no, she's do- she's fighting him for herself, for her own sense of pride. And I like that. And we talk about, I, I talk about, especially how, like, Avatar Last Airman does such a good job with these strong female characters. And Katara, in particular, is the epitome of that. She's her own woman, and she's ready, she's ready to fight for what she believes in. And I'm glad, like, she takes the fight to Baku here. We're gonna see. We're gonna get into it now yeah so uh right before they start fighting uh paku says go back to the healing hut with the other women where you belong and that is where katara just can't take it anymore she sends her iconic water whip right at him smacks him in the back of the head and the fight is on yeah she uh, hits like him with the thing. water whip and right here <laughs> yeah what's up aj i like to say, i think he really wanted to fight her and mm-hmm. i think that's why he did all this stuff like he wanted to just put her in her place so bad because he thinks, I don't know what he's thinking. He thinks something stupid and that's why he's doing this. He can't just accept this little girl's Katara. You're not a little girl. I'm sorry for saying that. He didn't want to accept um, her um, just battle to fight. That's going to be like, Oh, that's beneath him and stuff like that. But if he antagonized her enough for her to do something to provoke him, then he could fight. And I think that's yep. the whole purpose of yeah, that's a good on the hips. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's a great point. So we see the fight start. Uh, we see Paku take a bunch of water from a few vases nearby and uh, sends them at Katara. Katara gets uh, knocked back a little bit. Um, Paku says, uh, like, I'm not going to hurt you. Immediately, we cut to Sokka just getting blasted by the water. And only Sokka. There's a group of, like, ten people, and it's yeah, only Sokka that that's gets what demolished. Was, that's what I was thinking about when I was saying, like, Sokka has it rough this episode. I was thinking, like, <laughs> only Sokka gets hit with this huge blast somehow of water. Yeah. Um, but then uh, it seems like pretty quick the town starts cheering for Katara. We see um, we see that Paku makes a ring of water uh, that comes away. Uh, then uh, I think the next thing is we see an ice wall come up, which uh, Katara like melts and slides by. We see lots of this where like there's melting and unmelting and whipping around, and it's cool to see this water bending go from like water to ice and back and forth, and uh, yeah. it's pretty cool. At one point, Katara like sprints up this ice ramp and does a flip and like soars mm. through the air and sticks the landing. I was like, "Damn!" I mean, we see like Aang do some impressive athletic feats, but I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> Katara here!" Like, geez, I don't know if she's on the Avatar basketball team, but if she was a real woman <laughs> in, the, in our world. She'd be like averaging forty ten in the WNBA. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, she definitely can join our basketball team. Um, the next thing we see is like uh, Paku knocks her back into this big pool of water. And uh, I think she does something pretty smart. Here she looks like really grizzled, like her hair starts to fall down. And what she does is she builds a pillar of ice and then cuts it off into like sheets. So she's sending like these discs uh, right at him. It's a really creative move to have these ice blades. Uh, AJ, what do you think about this move from Katara? I was so in awe that she even thought of that. I, I could not have thought of using water in that um, way. And obviously, um, Paku didn't do that either. Like, sure, he blocked it, but he still looked shook that this yeah. novice girl that he didn't even know could do some of this crazy stuff is holding her own and being very creative, thinking outside of the box with her water bending and styles. And I think y'all mentioned like how each fight you always see something different, but this fight in particular, I, it was something just from each people was stuff I never saw before. This fight had me in awe. I also really like this fight because I don't know if we see it before or since like a fight where 
it's clearly one person's outmatched, but mm-hmm. yet the person that in Katara's sense who is outmatched is still holding her own. Like mm-hmm. I love this fight. I would love to see. I know they don't do this, but season three Katara versus Paku, I would love to see that battle. But you um, know, that should be personally. The thing with Katara and what's why I really enjoy her as a character, especially in season one. I've come away from season one like a lot more high in Katara than I even was on my initial watch. It's like she vastly improves as a bender, and she's like improving at even a more rapid pace than Aang, I would say. Because we see her like she's learning these like water whips and stuff early in the episodes, and now again, she's going toe-to-toe with this guy's a master. Like Katara at this point in the series is almost already master level in her own right. So it's yeah. just like I came like like you, AJ. I was just in awe this whole time. And she's coming up with these inventive techniques, just like we see Aang with airbending. Aang does like these techniques that you like are unconventional outside the box. And Katara the same thing with this like ice pillar that she lifts from the ice and starts shooting these like Dragon Ball Z like ice destructo disc at Paku. So no, nah, I was uh, very impressed with everything Katara was doing in this fight. Even Paku's impressed. Paku says, yep. like, you're an excellent waterbender. Uh, like, after he's, uh, yeah, after she, like, gets back up and sends a powerful blast his way, even Paku realizes that she's powerful. Um, Paku uh, still won't teach her because, you know, uh, complete jerk, but he, that, like, he that, at least recognizes it. And this was the stupidest moment of the episode for me because now you've battled Katara. You can see she's, like, head and shoulders above any waterbender her age, right? So at this point, she's 100% proved her worth. Like, it makes no... And I, I kind of wish they didn't have this line in the episode because it makes no... Like, if Pac was an old seasoned man, like, he should know. Like, okay, she's, like, I got a special talent here. Like, she's a bender unlike many others. Like, so there's absolutely... It makes no sense for him to lock horns with her and then be like, oh, yeah, I still won't teach you. Like, you're still yeah, not worth but, it. But this is, this is, like, the problem with, like, sexism is that you miss out on all the natural talent from like the people who don't get taught like there's so many times that like we we obviously don't know who we missed out on but there have to be so many people who like would have had great works of art or great leaps in science and like because people like might have seen the natural talent but it never got developed they're never able to actually contribute so i think this is like a kind of nice way to sum that up like Paku can understand that he uh, that katara is an excellent waterbender but because she can't get the training like she can't get to that next level yeah, no, I agree completely. And then, like, yeah. the, the fight soon ends. Like, Paku bends this huge swath of water into the sky. He turns it into these ice daggers that he's able to encase Katara with. But again, honestly, this was such a valiant effort for somebody who, like, would you, uh, like, a year prior to this or less than that, hadn't even interacted with anybody outside her village. And now yeah. she's going toe to toe with a waterbending master. Like I just, came, I came away from this thinking so highly of Katara, honestly. And this yeah. fight was amazing. Like the fight had everything you want in a fight from Avatar. If it back and forth. And you're right, AJ. It's like she was outmatched but held her own, which is how I kind of feel like Zuko. A lot of his early fights, especially against Ang. I feel like Ang is on another level than Zuko said, <laughs> and he's kind of <laughs> outmatched a lot of the times too. But they're still able to make fun fights out of it. Yeah, I think even when Paku like ends the fight essentially by encasing her in ice, she still has the fight left within her. Like she still wants to take him on. Um, one thing that we did miss is at one point Paku does knock her back and it knocks the necklace off. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is important because right after the fight is over, uh, Paku reaches down and he's like, Oh, this is my necklace. And Katara's like, No, it's mine. And, uh, Paku says like, Oh no, I made this, uh, like a long time ago for Kana, my one love. And that's when uh, that's when they realize uh, or Katara realizes that Paku was the person that Grand Grand went ran away from. Makes sense. 
I can see why she went down south to avoid marrying this loser. Do you? Yeah. I guess I wouldn't want to get with Paku either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we cut back to Jean's ship and Iroh is subtly speaking to this Fire Nation soldier who is revealed to be Zuko in disguise, stolen away on Jao's ship after the assassination attempt failed. And it's like, wow, Zuko doesn't have that many injuries. He got a little couple cuts and bruises, but he looks okay. He looks like he's still up and about. He ain't doing too bad after the blast. Yeah, not too shabby. Uh, he's able to, you know, come back, be okay. And uh, we we find out that Uncle Iroh, the reason why he's on the ship with Zhao is to give some backup for uh, Zuko. And this is a sweet moment. We see that Uncle Iroh's there uh, protecting Zuko, even though Zuko's in hiding. Um, just a quick little scene. AJ, any takes there? I, I, if y'all didn't see this coming, what's, what, what's wrong with y'all? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool to see like the doting father side of Iroh, which we see a lot with him and Zuko. Like he basically is Zuko's surrogate father in a way. So like, it's uh, nice to see him provided emotional and actual support here. I love him as a father figure to Zuko. And I love mm-hmm. that Zuko's like that rebellious teen. Uh, I love their interactions together. It's amazing. Uh, but I feel if Zuko had truly died or Iroh had not found Zuko, he would not be going to General Zhao. That's not what he would be doing. He would. I don't know yeah. what he would be doing, but it's not that because he's not about this um, war. Like he's not about this fight. So he, I think Zhao should have like, oh, red flags. Why are you just like coming back to me so quickly? But listen, 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 listen. Zhao is a cocky son of a, you know what? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's why. He, he thinks, because he, he thinks his plan worked. He's like, oh, Iroh actually thinks the pirates did it. Like, Zhao is very like, he's just up his own, you know what? So, yep. Well, not really much else to, yeah, yeah. Not, thank you. Uh, not much else to uh, dissect there. Now we go back to Paku and Katara. Paku explains that uh, that he made this necklace for Kana, and Katara actually is the one who pieces this all together. I like that this line was given to Katara. I feel like if this was written by most people, it would be said by Paku. But here Katara says... Uh, like, she didn't love you. It was an arranged marriage. Grand Grand wouldn't let your tribe's stupid customs ruin her life. That's why she left. It took a lot of courage. And I think this sort of reflection from Katara shows, like, a lot of maturity. And, it, like, the way that she sums this up is really good. And this must hit Paku hard. Uh, this must really be, like, brutal for Paku to hear. And I'm glad that it's not Paku who, like, says it. Uh, and it has to come from Katara before he's able to understand. Yeah, it must have cut deep, and I'm glad it did, because, again, like, it's true. Like, these stupid customs, not only are they ruining your tribe, they're not beneficial to your tribe either. Like, these customs don't, like, I don't, I, I at least in my opinion, personally. Yeah. They're, they're very dated, and for what reason? That's, that's my biggest thing. Like, huh. for what reason? It's not like, oh, there won't be people who want to learn how to heal with their water bending if you huh. just let everyone be able to fight. There's going to be people, that's their thing. And now that I think about it, I'm a, I'm a, like, maybe that's why the Fire Nation is so powerful because women can actually rise through the ranks in the Fire Nation. I've, um, I read the Kiyoshi novels. This isn't really a spoiler. It's like for first chapter stuff, but basically, like, there's a lot of like powerful firebending, like teachers and generals and stuff that are women. And so that's what I, I like. I enjoyed that compared to like 
Paku and like his sexism here. So. Wait, so are we about to join Team Fire Nation? Uh, like, I feel like we're dangerously close to saying that they're the good guys. I mean, let's let's keep in mind that they did genocide an entire Airbnb. I mean, I'm not, I'm not joining Team Fire Nation. I'm just saying All right. Also, the Kyoto novels take place 400 years before, like the yeah, war and yeah, Trump, yeah. when they're not like bad, bad. So okay. before, yeah, before the genocide, a little before the genocide. But genocide Ooh. aside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, I know. Add on to that genocide aside. I thought there was a combo there. <laughs> Zach, Zach, I know we've disagreed before about like whether it's okay to steal from pirates. I just hope that we're uh, we're still knowing that the Fire Nation are the bad people. Uh, yes. As no, long no, as okay, they're, okay, they're, great. They're definitely the bad people. Uh, um, sounds so, good. So, so um, wait, but but arrows over there. He's barely Fire Nation. But Fire the, yeah, Nation and, and name only. And, and that is a debate in the fan community. Like some people be like, oh, Iro's a war criminal, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I don't know. I don't agree with that, but we can have that conversation another day. Oh. Um, so after uh, Katara says the stupid custom, uh, Granger wouldn't let the stupid customs ruin her life, Yue runs off crying. And then Sokka follows her and learns she's in an arranged marriage too. And then oh, Sokka, but not before getting a big old smooch plan. Oh yeah, I, I skipped ahead a little bit. Sokka, so Sokka thinks like you guys rebuffing him. He's like, you know, you're royalty. I'm a southern peasant. But she puts that to rest by you're right, planting a big old smooch on Sokka. Yeah, that's uh, it was a it was a bit big. And then then uh, UA reveals that she's betrothed to someone else. Which honestly, like. Uh, so we'll find out that like it's a much more complicated situation than it seems. But like in Sokka's mind, he must think like, "Oh, she just cheated like uh, and kissed me," even though she's like betrothed <laughs> to someone else. Like that's a little yeah. bit that's a little sus. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, you're no, you're right. It's true. And I'm surprised her necklace was just hidden this whole time. Like wasn't visible. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So then we see her run off. Uh. I don't even want to talk to Sokka. You wait. I'm going to talk to you. You don't like this kid. You don't know this kid. You just don't like your current situation. <laughs> Sokka's not good for you. He's aloof about everything. And trust me, you don't want none of the Suki fire. I know she's not a fire. <laughs> but you don't want none of Suki. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, this is a complicated situation. I think it'll be interesting next week to break this down and see where we actually land. Cause I'm actually not sure where I think, uh, like what UA's right call here is, uh, whether to get involved with soccer or not. The, no, I mean, that's she, not the right call. But she's okay. kind of, honestly, UA is kind of damned if she does, damned if she doesn't, I think, with the state of her current situation. So what can she do? I mean, yeah. she likes soccer. She, soccer likes her. I think soccer is more in the wrong here, to be it's, honest. It's not love. <laughs> they like each other. I'd say they like each other. They want all their right. activities together. That's about it. That's all we know. We're oh, getting to the yellow. Together. We're getting to the yellow zone again. Uh, we're getting close to the danger zone. So the next morning, we see uh, Paku's in class. Aang is learning uh, a little bit of water bending. He's not that good, and uh, Paku decides to stunt on him for being bad. And then we see Katara run up the steps. Paku's like, "What are you doing up here? You're late." Uh, like a nice little joke. Uh, like you know essentially accepting her but chiding her a little bit for being late and we see a nice moment between ang where he says good to see you here and uh katara says you too but just like last week we have another ominous ending to the episode admiral zhao says my fleet is ready and we see about 50 ships headed for the northern water tribe thoughts on the ends of this uh the ending of this episode um how was Sokka late 
Uh, Katara. Katara, how was Katara? I wrote South Carolina. How was Katara late? <laughs> uh, I think that they're supposed to be there by sunrise, and it was like uh, maybe like twenty minutes after sunrise. Yeah, but Ang was on time. That's my thing. Ang is not a good friend. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Wait, how did Ang make it there and not wake up her up? Yeah, that's a really good observation. I don't know. I didn't have. I didn't take note of that, but that's true. All right. Uh, <laughs> Ang sucks. <laughs> that's a great he, point AJ. He, he's worse than the fire nation now yeah in my eyes for what he just did. that is a great point i'm actually very sad i missed that that's the type of thing i pride myself on seeing but <laughs> aj got me on that one good job hats off <laughs> <laughs> um all right well if uh if you have nothing else then uh we can get into the uh end of the episode zach anything uh on the end of this episode no i counted like 40 something ships so it's a good like this is a good last scene to set the stage for the events of the finale you have Zhao and his huge fleet so overall i really enjoyed this episode and i was kind of surprised because i was reading some of the listeners rating and they weren't as high as i was which was surprising i feel like this is one of the better episodes of season one is it the best not necessarily but it's just like i mean it's a great episode of avatar and a great episode of avatar is an amazing episode of television always so yeah let's get this out of the way so we're about to do our episode rankings uh as always you can rank the episodes by writing into avatar at postshowrecaps.com rate it zero to four cabbages the listeners this week let me down a bit uh 3.18 cabbages i think that's too low yeah and like sometimes i feel like i'm too high on an episode and i understand like why the listeners are lower on it than i am i get that i'm I'm a little self-aware i like i like like to you know yeah yeah it'll be like that but then yeah this episode now i I don't think i agree with this i think they're way too low because for me personally this episode i'm gonna have it 3.6 out of 4 3.6 cabbages out of 4 that's my rating yeah i think that's an appropriate rating i think this episode has a lot going for it i think Mm -hmm. uh the northern water tribe is really cool it sets up the finale in a great way next week's finale is amazing and i think that this episode does a great job setting it up we see katara just really grow into her own and be a badass and for that this episode is a 3.7 and you know what lydia i'm calling you out your 2.9 was too low oh what boom (laughs) aj aj what do you have disrespect oh my that that shook me to my core i don't (laughs) dang originally Uh, i was going to come in here and say a 3.6 but i'm hearing what these other people are saying i'm bumping it up to a (laughs) 3.78 all right (laughs) out of spite out of spite (laughs) yeah i mean i like lydia even this episode lydia had some good feedback actually because like aj she noticed something that i didn't notice but yeah sometimes lydia episode ranking i don't know i I think i guess we we take different things from the show now now, i will say the things i didn't care for about this episode um the Besides the Katara story was the bulk of this episode. And that was the great part of this episode. The Zuko, Iroh, Zhao stuff. That was, that was just build up to what's coming in the finale. That was just build up. And the Sokka Yahweh thing, that was just. Also, build up for what's coming in the finale. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah I didn't, I didn't, building I didn't up. care for the two B story or B and C stories. I guess with uh, Sokka and Yue. Sokka and Yue, I didn't mind actually. It was kind of like the like wooden bear Wobbuffet fish thing was actually. <laughs> fun. I found that scene kind of funny. It was just so like comical. And then yeah, I didn't really care for the Zuko. Like if the Zuko and Iroh plotline was better, I think I would have had this episode even higher. I would have given it yeah. like a three point eight or something. To yeah. be honest. 
No, I, I agree. I just think that uh, this episode has so much going for it. Obviously, there's lots of setup f- for the finale, but you have to. Like, you can't just not have any setup. So I think this does a great job. A 3.57 for the episode overall is a fair uh, place for it. And now I think we're about to get to one of the higher rated things, the fight from this. So this is our battle of the battle rankings. And uh, yeah, I think this battle between uh, Paku and Katara is great. Uh, I think this episode is uh, like in part so good because of that awesome battle. I'm at a 3.8 on that battle. Yeah. You know what? I'm giving it a four. I don't know. Like this is a four for me. Four cabbages out of four. Like, yeah. Are there better battles in the series? Yes, of course. And I'm going to give them fours too, honestly, going forward. But this has everything I want from a battle of avatar. And this battle is what makes the episode so good. You have Katara going one-on-one with a waterbending master. She's going mano-a-mano with this man. She's doing techniques that we've never seen her do before. Baku's doing crazy stuff too. But the fact that Katara is able to hold her own here, I was very gripped by this battle. I watched the episode twice and both times I came away from that really enjoying this battle what about you yeah. what would you rank this out of four 100 whenever i watched the episode at the end of the episode i was like this is a really good episode but i want to watch that battle again like yeah, it was same. such a good battle like i've watched that battle on its own like two three times it was so good i gave it a 3.82 as well as jacob because it was just one of the better battles of this season so far, like if not the best battle so far this season. So I'm so happy about it. Even when the series ended, I remember this battle. Yeah, so, same, yeah. same. Yeah, this battle shows the like raw power of waterbending and it really is cool. I think that this battle being a 3.87 is where it should be a great battle. Uh, definitely uh, one to be remembered. Yes. So there you go. That's our uh, listener Uh, or sorry, our episode rankings and our battle of the battle rankings. Next up, we'll do our uh, listener feedback. Um, This week we had Sarah write in and ask what a grand grand ever see in Paku. Uh, My answer is not much. Uh, (laughs) AJ or Zach, do you think that there's anything redeemable about Paku? He has some cool friends. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) He's got some cool friends. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Grand Grand just wanted to, you know, hang out with Boomy and Uncle Ira at the White Lotus meetings. I'll take that. Uh, Zach, anything for you? Nah. Uh, That's why she she ran to the South Pole to get away from this man. That tells you all you need to know. That is fair. Uh, I think Sarah actually points out a great thing, and I want to stop for a second and notice this. So Sarah writes, can we also talk about how problematic it is that Paku only decided to like Katara after realizing he's Kana's granddaughter? It's like those men who only care about women's rights because, quote, I have a sister, a mother, a daughter. Like, no, we should have equality, even if you aren't personally impacted. Uh, I... Yeah, this was in a Facebook uh, post, but if I could retweet it, I would. I totally agree with this. Sarah's spot on. 100%. And it's like just BS in my honest opinion. Like he should appreciate Katara for her power, for her ability. Like we saw that fight and he said he still was not going to train her. But once, oh, someone I liked um, back in the Dizay is your grandma. I guess I'll train you now. Like, listen, as soon as she leaves, he's not training a woman again. And that's the issue here. Like, we need to see, like, actual change within him as a person and in the culture. And I don't think maybe Katara is the first step to this change. I hope she is with this community. Uh, but I don't know if this is, like, the change that they need. I feel like at this point, they need to get someone new in there to train these folks. 
Yeah, I agree with everything AJ is saying. And to add on to it, it's like the rioters, maybe they didn't do a great job with Paku because they could have redeemed him in that moment when he was like locking horns with Katara and he, he could have been like, okay, you are worth teaching. And it would have yeah. made sense because how powerful she was. So that's kind when of. When I was first watching this episode, that's where I thought it was going. And when same. it didn't go that way, I was shocked. Yeah. Because yeah. AJ's right. The vibe I get is like, Katara will leave. He's not training no more women. Yeah. It should be that Katara gets training on her own merit. She's clearly a great waterbender. And it should be the impressive fight that switches his mind and not the fact that he made a necklace 60 years ago. Yes. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. I, I agree with Sarah. Uh, next up, we have Lydia writing in saying that she would like to stand up for Sokka on this one. Everyone laughed when he fell in the water when he was talking to UA, but wouldn't it make sense to put bridges at intersection for ease and efficiency <laughs> of travel? Now here, I thought about this, and most people are probably waterbenders, so my guess is they create their own temporary bridges when they want to walk across the canals, and they don't need like long-term bridges all the time. But what about, the people who aren't water ben- what about the people who aren't waterbenders, though, in their village? Because there must be, like, a bunch of them, right? Like, I hope they're good long bend. jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. They're just used to, like, leaping across on, like, Sokka. Yeah, I, I found know. the Sokka falling into the water so endearing. Like, that was just such an adorable moment from um, the kid. So I liked that from him. It, it added character to this scene. Um, but I don't know how you get it. Maybe everyone carries their own board. Like they just mm. have it on their back and they're like, oh, time for another gap. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if you're not a waterbender, you just have to carry around like uh, a bunch of two by fours, essentially. Hey, does it have to carry a bunch of like pallet boxes? Yeah, I like <laughs> it. Back. The other thing Lydia wrote in, she said, uh, I would also like to talk about the fashion budget. I get the priority is Fire Nation disguises, but isn't Aang cold right now? And yeah, so Katara and Sokka get some nice coats. They get some nice winter garb. Aang is chilling in a shaw. Uh, what do we think about Aang being freezing cold up there? Yeah, I didn't realize this, but Aang is just wearing his normal cloak this whole time. He's not wearing like any fur coat or anything like that. Yeah, he must be freezing his ass off. I don't know if he can like somehow generate heat with air bending and like heat himself up somehow. I doubt it. So it's like, yeah, yeah he must be ice cold. I don't know how he's dealing with this. Listen, yeah. he was in an iceberg for a hundred years. This is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, watch true. True, true, true. I, I forget about that. Sometimes. He probably has some cold resistance. That's a good point. And uh, I think a good place to leave the listener feedback. As always, you can write into avatar at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, we love reading the feedback. Thanks so much for writing in. Last thing we have is the T quartet. And before we get into it, let's uh, find out AJ's bending type. AJ, what type of bender do you think you are? After podcasting with me for almost two hours, what do you think I am? Like, I have an idea, but I want to hear what y'all think it is. Um, Look at my pearly white smile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go ahead and say, I think that you're the airbender. I think that you find the joy in the chaos. I think that you enjoy. Uh, so uh, a little bit of behind the scenes, we've had some audio problems uh, in this episode. And I think AJ's just been happy the whole time to be here. You've been taking it with a smile. So I think you're the airbender. Uh, Zach, yeah, you agree I, with me? Yeah, I would have pegged AJ as the airbender 100%. But he did say when he was younger, he liked um, he liked we want to firebend and stuff. Yeah. And also, Jacob, you were a firebender. And that's, I still don't get like, sorry, you're such a nice person. Like, I don't really get like firebender vibes <laughs> from you, too, but to be honest. I mean, maybe your seventh grade teacher might disagree with that. But uh, <laughs> call back to last episode. But yeah, yeah. no. So like, yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure how you see yourself, but I see AJ as like very airbender-esque. AJ, what what do you think? 
I'm so pleased that y'all think so highly of me. I'm thank you very much. Uh, but I thought of myself as a waterbender. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I'm a waterbender. I I was juggling between water and airbender because I feel mm-hmm. like I am a very much go with the flow type person. I enjoy mm-hmm. I enjoy chaos. <laughs> like that is so much fun. I am. I try to be happy go lucky and stuff. But I think what tipped it over to me for waterbender is. I'm also a very emotional person. Like I can mm-hmm. like turn the heat on and I've been told I'm not someone you want to get into an argument with. I'm, I'm a jolly old person, but don't come at me. I got a slick tongue and I am not afraid to use it. And I, <laughs> and also, but with that being said, I think another trait with the waterbender that is missing from the airbender is that even though we're emotional, we can detect other people's emotion and then adjust to what they need. So I think because I'm able to adjust my emotion to what I feel like fits the moment. And like, if you're feeling down, I know how to adjust to make you in a better mood and stuff like that. I'm more of a caregiver too. I feel like airbenders are more free spirit and I'm more of a, Mm -hmm. let me make sure my people are good. My friends, my family, make sure they're good first. And then it's time for me. Like then it's good. So I think I'm a waterbender. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have airbender or waterbender for me. Like those were the two I was thinking of. You don't come very firebender or very earthbender. Like those, I was not leaning towards any of those. But yeah, yeah. I guess now we can jump into our T quartet. Right? I like the idea of firebenders though. They're they're fun. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I agree. Uh, yeah, so I think we're gonna do the T quartet, and uh, this week we're gonna be doing the South Park Four. Uh, so that is, let's see, Cartman, Kenny, Stan, and who's the last one? Kyle. Oh, Kyle, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that uh, I think that there's one that's pretty clear, but I think we'll let AJ take it away. AJ, where you want to start? Kenny. Okay, that's <laughs> not where I thought we were going, but I'm fine. Well, let's, go let's, let's start with the clear one. Let's start with Cartman. All right, let's go with Cartman. Uh, what do you have Cartman as? A firebender, like on every level. Like I don't. If you don't watch South Park, you know of Cartman's antics and how terrible of a person he is and how great guys. He made someone eat his own parents before. This man is okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This podcast got off. I, I, out of all the antics I would, you could have used for Cartman, I wouldn't have used that. But yes, it's psychotic. Like, yes, Cart- no, Cartman is psychotic. He is 100 yeah. like. He's chaotic evil, if you want to use that type of terminology. He he's working against like his group of friends a lot of the times. He's like disgustingly rude to like almost everybody he interacts with. Butters in particular, he's just a big bully towards him. So yeah, I definitely he is a hundred percent the firebender, no question about it. Jacob, do you want to add on to Cartman as a firebender? No, I it, that one's clear. Like his manipulative nature totally the firebender and just because we're talking about a cartoon does not mean we should talk about all of the stuff that happens in the cartoon <laughs> let's let you know the eating of the parents let's leave it there uh, uh, yeah I, and mean, I, I mean there's so many antics he has so like i would have gone for something just not even a little more uh, P- uh, pg but a little more <laughs> a little less graphic i would say yeah yeah exactly i didn't think how he did it uh, <laughs> okay okay <laughs> the next person that we're gonna do uh where, where do you want to go aj uh, let's go to Kyle next. Yeah, let's go to Kyle. Okay. Uh, where do you have Kyle? I personally have Kyle as the Earthbender, and I think I know we have different opinions, but I think Kyle is the most steady, hard, fast person of the group. I believe he is set in his own beliefs, his own values, and he knows what's right and wrong. And whenever it's challenged. 
it's not like a malleable type of his response. He's brute force going to push his opinion, push his agenda, push his beliefs until either you get it through your head or you just get out the way. So I think Kyle's mm-hmm. the earthbender. Yeah, I think I had him as a waterbender because uh, I think he's like usually the person who's like the voice of reason. Like he has the balance, I think, when it, uh, like he often struggles to have his emotions in check. I feel like he often blows up a bit. But I actually think that I agree with you. I think I'm, I'm convinced. I think I'll have him as the earthbender for me as well. I was originally going to come in a little bit hotter with the argument, but I think like he has the sort of stability uh, that you want the earthbender to have. So I, I see what you're saying. Zach, where are you on this? Yeah, I, I had uh, I had him as my earthbender as well because the thing with Kyle is like in all these episodes he has these like staunch beliefs that like are unwavering in some ways like very rarely is he like convinced to change his ways like usually like has some decent things he believes and he's not like Cartman where he's just a complete like ignoramus so like and I I think because of that and like the fact like he's kind of an intellectual in that sense I had him as my earthbender as well Cool. All right, where do you want to go next? I have no idea these next two they they have me confused but, but, but with kenny it's so tough like ken because like, I, know, I know kenny has like some personality i guess but at the same time like half the time you don't know what he's saying he's dying every episode like it's tough to get a good sense of like kenny's actual personality maybe i'm not the biggest south park stand necessarily my mom didn't let me watch it when i was a kid so i had to like hide and like watch <laughs> south park on a tv upstairs and nobody was looking so like i don't know what did you guys have kenny ask because i struggled with this a little bit well, I think it's actually easier if we start with Stan. I think Stan like has the even temper. Like I, he's not the airbender in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. he's not like the person who's like the, you know, like happy go lucky type person. I think that he's like he he's yeah, I think that he is the waterbender out of the two that are left. So I think Kenny uh by default, I don't know a ton about Kenny. I don't think anyone does. I think it makes him <laughs> the airbender. Um and I think that yeah, Stan sort of like uh like yeah, he has like some sort of like not moral compass might be a strong word for it, but I think that he has a maturity that makes him the, um, makes him the waterbender. So I think, yeah, I think I've got Stan as the, uh, water and Kenny as the air. AJ, do you agree? I, I can co-sign on uh, that. I think Stan is the more emotional of the two people. I think that is a clear sign of a waterbender. I think Kenny is in his own little world many times. And I think that's more of an airbender trait. So I can co-sign Stan being the waterbender and yeah, Kenny being there. I kind of like I kind of slotted Kenny into the airbender role by default, but I also I was like I was trying to think of like okay, what's some dumb reason I can use to justify Kenny being my <laughs> airbender? And I was like, well, he dies in the episodes and he just comes <laughs> back and he doesn't see. I mean, we don't really see his full face, but he doesn't seem depressed. He seems like he's in a decent. I feel like if I'm dying that often and I keep coming back, I'm gonna be cranky. I'm not gonna be like I'm on my, I'm gonna be in a sour mood all the time. So for that reason, I feel like he has that kind of like not necessarily happy-go-lucky nature, but the fact that he's not like completely depressed and melancholic this whole time. Yeah. Made me slot him as the airbender. Zach, I thought you were about to say that uh, because Kenny uh, disappears and reappears when people don't expect it, that that's what makes him the airbender. Just like so <laughs> I think either up and comes back down. <laughs> exactly. Either excuse I think is uh, not that good, but at least uh, at least we're trying. So there you go. I think we have like, Cartman. They, is, they all could be fire. 
they all could be fired straight true, up. Yes, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. But I think Carton yeah. is just far and away the most obvious firebender. So it's like, yes, that's yeah, all, like Ariel with the other princesses. It's like she was 100% the most firebender by far. Agreed. Uh, so what we have is we have Cartman as the firebender. We have Kyle as the water. Or sorry, sorry, Kyle as earth. Stan as water. And uh, Kenny as air. That's our T quartet for this week. Uh, Zach, I don't think that we have anything planned for next week, so that'll have to be uh, also a bit of a uh, a bit of preparation. Yeah, that's week. we 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 can think of something. But y'all, write some in. We're done the Disney princesses now. That took up three weeks. But <laughs> if you guys have any quartets you want us to do, because at the beginning of our podcast we got a lot of feedback on the quartets people wanted. But yeah, send them in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're, we're always open to suggestions. As a brief programming note, first off, if you made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, oh, next week, oh, how did you make it here? <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> next week, we will be doing both parts of the finale, parts one and two, in one podcast. So you have a little bit of extra watching to do this week. Uh, we'll be taking your questions for episodes one and two of the finale, and we'll do a bit of a uh, longer pod on that one. So that'll be a great bit of fun. Um, but good to get that out of the way. Uh, I think that's all that we have. Um, AJ, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at the kid North. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast despite the audio challenges, despite the chaos <laughs> and the PG 13 banter. It's been great having you. Might have uh, been some rated R banter. I mean, if you got this far, thank you so much. I mean, I, I, I the audio issues were primarily me. I feel quite terrible i'm gonna leave a little disclaimer at the top of the show so uh yeah we'll see how that goes and uh yeah thanks for listening you can follow me at zach muhammad 32 yep and uh you can follow me at jk redman uh thanks so much for joining team avatar podcasting uh we'll be back next week see ya bye